two, and one. All right. Hey, good evening, everybody. This is Francisco. Join my good buddy Andrew here for Sports Goofs. Not number hey, 87. Not number 87. It is a special episode, bonus episode, our second ever college football bowl extravaganza. So welcome, everybody, to that. Just a preliminary here. This episode is brought to you by you, our listeners that support us on Pod Hero. If you like this podcast and want to support the work we do, please take just a few minutes to support us on Pod Hero. Not only can you support this podcast, but you can provide ongoing support for all of your favorite podcasts with a single $5.99 per month subscription. And to answer your question, yes, we're using Pod Hero to support our favorite podcast too. And for a limited time, Pod Hero will donate an additional $5 to our show on your behalf when you join. Just make sure you use the link in our show description. Thanks for your support. All right, Andrew, you are our guest wrangler. And Correct. sir, you've, well, you've lassoed a ton of people get, today. Before we get started, I just wanted to say, sounds like we were like uh, NPR or PBS now. We're supported by the Arthur T something foundation and viewers like you thank you and yes ladies and gentlemen we have begun the process of selling out trying to get more money as francisco mentioned i am the resident guest wrangler if you will and today is a bowl extravaganza slash college football season recap slash rantathon if you want to call it that group of five support Uh, group or support group, that's a better way of putting it, on the college football playoffs, specifically the committee. So, without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce our guests. I'm I'm not taking, I'm not choosing over people, I'm just going by last name, who I introduce first. Introducing first is Lucas Nopoulos, I hope I pronounced that right, probably botched it. So it is uh, Lucas Napolis, but uh, yeah, honestly, uh, you would have been in the minority if you would have pronounced it correct the first time, so don't feel bad at all. So hi, everybody. I'm Lucas Napolis. I am a compatriot of uh, Andrew, and I am here to join in the rantings and ramblings. <laughs> Mr. Napolis here. Did I get it right that time? Yes, sir. All right. It takes me like two or three times, and then I'll get it. He has been. He is currently a mod for RCFB, the I guess you call it official subreddit of college football. Yep, we are the internet's tailgate. Exactly, and we hit our one millionth tailgater like two months ago. Although time does not exist this year, so I don't know. It could have been yesterday. Who knows? He believes that he's been a mod since 2017. He has covered. A I'm few pretty games. sure that is correct. Okay. <laughs> But again, you know, as as will surely be repeated many times throughout the rantings and ramblings here, time is of no material this year. I'm not even sure what day it is or what time it is for that matter. All I know is that it's dark outside. Uh, exactly. And it was funny. There was on NPR, they were discussing why it seems like the sun is getting, the sunlight is getting shorter. I mean, aside from the fact that it's the winter solstice. So I don't know. It is dark. It's seven o'clock. It should be eight o'clock right now. Florida, please go ahead and make daylight saving time permanent. But I digress. I'm I'm already ranting, and we're not even at the ranting. He his best experiences have been covering the D two 
or FCS championships in Frisco, Texas. Yep, those those are uh, extremely fun things to do. I've been able, I've been extremely lucky to be able to do those uh, in the name of RCFB uh, as a uh, media member. It's been really great to, as someone who's entirely amateur to this, I am in no way a professional, uh, but to be welcomed into those spaces and to sit in the uh, the press box to write about these teams and uh, watch these games has been an uh, extremely enlightening experience. And I, I actually recommend to any of you who have not, maybe not even heard of some of these teams, definitely check them out. It's extremely fun to watch uh, some of these teams play and they're better than you think. Yeah, it's a lot of, I have, having been, I watched mostly UCF football before I became a mod, but my College football viewing has increased tenfold uh, since last year, and being able to watch some of those smaller teams, quote unquote, it is a lot of fun. There's a certain I don't know I don't know if Je ne sais quoi. I don't know if you would agree with me here, Lucas, but someone told me, and I'm not I'm not saying this about every FBS player, but he said that there are some guys that kind of get a bit of full of themselves with an ego thinking that they're hot shit, but you don't really have that as much down at the lower levels. I think that that's probably true. You definitely have your characters that shine. And I mean, it's this is also especially true of coaches. So I actually had the pleasure of uh, watching the SES championship a few years back with their coach, who the name is escaping me right now, which I apologize for, but he became the head coach of uh, Kansas State the next year. And it was actually known at that time that this was going to be his last game at North Dakota State. So it's not to say that at the lower levels, FCS and D2, that there aren't names that you're going to be hearing or player, uh, star players and things like that. Maybe the, there's not quite as large of a chip on some of their shoulders. And I think I can probably agree with that. But I mean, it, it really does all come down to, you know, it, it, there, there is definitely a perception. You know, it's it's definitely different. Uh, and I, I it, to put yourself in their shoes for a moment, it's definitely going to be different stepping uh, out into a stadium that maybe holds 10,000 people versus uh, what you and I may be more used to, which is, you know, players stepping out in front of tens of thousands or maybe even 100,000 in larger stadiums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, it is very different. And then just to wrap up the introduction, Mr. Napoulis here is a University of Iowa undergraduate and Florida State University uh, graduate, master's graduate, if I remember correctly. Correct. My memory doesn't completely suck. I'm 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 doing awesome today. Uh, so, the only other addition to that is that I currently reside in Austin, Texas, for the past five years. So I picked up the Longhorns as kind of my secondary team. Oddly enough, my uh, Florida State is actually my tertiary because I, I picked up the Longhorns pretty hard. All right. Yeah. I, and I, I we were talking pre-show here, and I welcome Lucas to the deep dark hole that Florida State is right now. So enjoy the bats. All right. Enjoy the dead bodies around us. Enjoy the smell. All right. But don't worry. Every 15 years or so, we'll win a national. All right. So I I promise I haven't forgot about you, Brendan. Our next guest is Brendan Rourke. He is a contributing writer for the Indiana Pacers. Yes, that I am. I am a contributing writer to the Indiana Pacers, so I do follow the NBA. However, my first love is college football. I'm an avid peruser of all things RCFB, and I will keep my Reddit username uh, (laughs) a mystery. I will give everyone a hint. I am in the top 100 of the lovable game of Reverse Sheep that is debuted on RCFB. But other than that, yeah. (laughs) 
I, uh, to steal Andrew's spotlight in the introduction, my undergrad is from UCF and I wholeheartedly believe in the national championship claim and no one can dispute me on that. <laughs> and my graduate degree is in sports journalism from IUPUI or Iwi Pui up in Indiana. And they have been undefeated in football since 1969. So very nice. Yep, because they don't have a team. <laughs> but I do follow can't be, all the. Can't be undefeated uh, if you don't have a team. Well, you can you can be undefeated as well. <laughs> and then I do follow all the all the teams in Indiana. IU obviously a big snub in their bowl game, and Purdue as well. But Purdue was having a little bit of a down year this year. And then also the smaller schools like Lucas covers Butler football division two, I believe. And, um, Indy, which I believe is NAIA if I'm correct. So NAIA or division two, I don't know. But anyway, that's a little bit about me. So I guess before we, before we get started, cause, and you're currently out in the Indiana area, if I remember correctly. I actually have moved back to Orlando, Florida for a little bit. Welcome back. Yeah. I miss right. Orlando so much. Yes. I love the Orlando atmosphere. I do love my hometown. I grew up here, so I'm excited to be back. Alrighty, so well, we it's, are. I, I do want to say we're uh, we're in bowl season. It officially started today on Monday, as we had the Myrtle yeah, a Beach bit of Bowl. A, a bit of a later start than usual because reasons. The we call it the virus. Oh, and uh, we also have a charity foundation. If you look for that in the description for our show, you can donate to the CDC Foundation to help beat the virus. And also, uh, welcome to our text guest. We have Nitro 16s. So I'm assuming that's a, a UCF fan there. We have Freddie Airmail, whose Notre Dame Golden Domers are the four seed and heading to the CFP. We'll get to that in a moment. And then BU Mr. Canada does not have a football team, if I remember correctly, because he goes to Boston University. But they have a hell of a hockey team, though. Oh, and I guess we should, since we're talking college, UCF undergrad, FIU Law for law school. Francisco has gone, I think, to every FSU, school in the state. FAU, FIU, and if you want Pompey State College for my community college buds out there. Yay, I have a fan. Brent, very well. That's, that's me replying. Oh, went to the dam. Got it. <laughs> yeah, so Francisco, you've gone to FSU for undergrad, FAU for your masters, and then FIU. So you've kind of got like the alphabet soup going on here. Oh yeah, what, what can I say? I love every university in the state of Florida. I pump my money into the public system, except for the Florida <laughs> Gators because uh, they can go off themselves. Right. Amen to that. Uh, all right, so. I get, I'm going to wait a little bit to discuss the CFP because I'd like to get as many voices in, although I don't know, that's going to take a while. So I guess we can start with... Let's go through the bowl the... matchups. We got one today. Let's go. Myrtle Beach Bowl, baby. First ever. If I remember correctly, I saw this in passing, that this is the first bowl in South Carolina in probably 30 years because the NCAA put a ban on holding any bowls there because of uh, they used to have the Confederate flag flying at the state house, but they took that down a few years ago and now it's a little bit better. I don't know. So did e any of you guys get to watch the game? No, unfortunately my, uh, my in-laws arrived today 
I do feel the need to point out they both have already had COVID. Whether that is a good news or bad news is kind of up in the air, but it does ensure that they won't be infected and we won't be infected. So anyway, they came in kind of right about the time uh, that the game was going on. So I did not get a chance to do that. Plus work has been kind of wild today. I did, however, look at the score and it looks like it was not a uh, very close game. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Not even close. No. I, I watched the latter half. We I, I, Me and my roommates, I think we put it on at least while the fourth quarter was on. And uh, yeah, Appala- App- Appalachian State basically ran away with the game. And any points you saw were definitely garbage time points by uh, whatchamacallit. North Texas. Yeah, North Texas. And Cameron Peoples for Appalachian State is as advertised. I believe he had... If I can pull up the uh, box score, I believe he had 300 yards rushing, I want to say. Mm-hmm. It was something ridiculous. Yeah. And he's definitely a star in the making from a small school. I love Appalachian State, man. <laughs> they, You just want to cheer for those guys, don't you? And it's, they, they run a really tight ship, I'm sure. And it's part of the weirdness of this of this bold five North Texas going in there. And their defense is bad. Their defense is really bad. Uh, I was looking up the notes for this game prior, and I'm like, man, what are these guys even doing? And even Freddie put it there. I mean, they're a bottom 25 team. <laughs> so it's ridiculous that they're playing in a bowl game, but hey, it's 2020. Why not, right? Why not? And actually, to that point, that's going to be a part of my rant later on is how in the hell, and by the way, guys, we really don't care about cursing. We really don't give a fuck. So feel free to let loose to your heart's content. But Army is not in a bowl game, despite the fact that they're, what, 9-2, and two, if I remember correctly? Like, I'll, 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 I'll wait until my rant to do that, because I think that pisses me off more than anything else, because the others I at least understand. All right, so let's move on to the next game coming up this this year. Ooh, good. Thank you. Thank you, Tennessee. Hopefully they did that for altruistic reasons, because that would be... (laughs) That is true. You know, I've been saying for a long time now, I would love it if, I mean, if Army and Air Force joined the American Athletic Conference. What is more American than the three major branch football teams joining. 319 was my area code in Iowa. But 319 anyway, represent. I've, I've got 407 over here, as does Brendan. 407 and 317 if you're in Indiana today. 305 and 954 for my friend Francisco here. No, 561, baby. Oh, it's 561? Okay. Yeah, Palm Beach County. Let's do it. There's a a lot of area codes down here with good reason. All right, so next game up, we've got a great name for a bowl. It's the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Mm -hmm. Always a pleasure, every year. (laughs) (laughs) This year, you've got AAC Tulane, 6-5 on the year, versus the 6-2 Tulane Green Wave, my apologies, and the 6-2 and two Nevada Wolfpack. Nevada had kind of an interesting year, if I remember correctly. And obviously they did well, 6-2. and two. Tulane, uh, we kind of squeaked by them a bit. That's basically the only thing I know about Tulane from this year. 
but I know that they have a re- they have a really kick-ass throwback uniform this year, which was just absolutely amazing to look at. Oh, they, I mean, in my notes here, I mean, they've <laughs> they run their their run game is basically their offense. The sixty-two percent of their plays is on the run, and they, they they've ran the eighth most in college football this year with regards to. Yeah. to it's just yeah, that's just just pounding they do down have the a, They do have a freshman quarterback, Michael Pratt who has definitely grown over the season and he might be, he might, he has the potential to be a top five quarterback in the American mm. um, in a couple years, but he definitely needs to improve on a couple things. Uh, accuracy was one of his biggest ones. Yeah. Um, but Michael Pratt has the potential if he stays with Tulane and they don't get another recruit or anything that'll back him up. But yeah. So it's kind of an interesting stat to bring up the the running prowess of Tulane because I was actually going to bring up the fact that excuse me the Nevada Wolfpack their passing yards are ninth so with rushing uh, as the eighth ranked for Tulane we've got number nine Nevada Green Wolf in the air it's so it's kind of interesting strong, to see uh, that what was that Carson Strong Mountain West right, Defensive yeah, Player of the Year. Yeah, it's going to be really – I always love those types of games. I mean, being a Big Ten fan, it's always kind of fun to see two teams try to pound the rock against each other. But it's always fun when you have two wildly different offensive schemes that are basically fighting for uh, supremacy on the field. Yeah, and it kind of works against Tulane because their defense is really great at stopping the running game. They have the third most sacks in college football this year. So their pass defense isn't so good. So it's probably not going to look good for them once they face Nevada tomorrow. <laughs> it, just, it does not match up or bold well for them. So I think Nevada is probably going to take it. All right. Next. Are we ready? We got a, we got a bunch of them to go down the line. We got to we gotta keep it going. But hey, this one will interest yes, we do. you guys. CF versus BYU. Down here. Oh boy. Oh boy. The roof. That, that is undefeated BYU. And I never thought that I would say that unironically. <laughs> Almost undefeated. <laughs> the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. And just just on my end of things, and I'm sure Brendan uh, knows where I'm going with this here, it is really ironic that we're playing in uh, in a bowl that's sponsored by Roof Claim. When we were oh so close to getting our stadium, oh yes, my roof claim. Uh, yes, we were UCF. Sorry, not to say we professional journalist, right? <laughs> UCF was slated to get a large amount of money for their roof claim. We uh, before we continue, uh, we have a we have our next guest on the show. All right, so joining us via my cell phone is co-managing editor of Underdog Dynasty. FIU beat writer slash CUSA podcast host for SB Nation, Eric Henry, awesome guy. Welcome to the show. I'm not deserving of that type of intro. All those titles that sound, you know, like they are highest status, but in actuality, they are not that much at all. I'm just a, just a regular old uh, alumni like yourself, buddy. How's it going? Not bad. Ready to just do a little bit of discussion on the Bulls and then tear the CFP committee to shreds, but that's that's coming in a little bit. And then since we kind of introduced everyone's alma maters, do you want to quickly introduce yourself, yours, anything else you'd like us to know? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as my professional title. But 
from Stephen Cuomo's regular founder, Doug Donahue, who's SB Nation home for G5 football coverage. Uh, in that role, I also serve as FIU's beat writer. And I host a podcast on Conference USA called the Underdog Dynasty Podcast. can be found on any major podcast streaming platform. But to the importance of you talk about, uh, I am a graduate of the finest university uh, in the, the nation, that being the University of Central Florida, the, the 2017 National Champion. Yes, sir. And then just a brief introduction. We have uh, two other guests here right now. I'm going to botch your name, which is terrible because I said it takes me two or three times to get it right. But Lucas Napoulis, who is a fellow RCFB mod of mine, he is an Iowa Hawkeye slash uh, FSU Seminole. And then we've got Brendan Rourke, who is also a UCF Knight uh, and also went to IUPUI uh, for his grad degree. So we've we've got a pretty broad, well, three of us went to UCF, but we're we're trying to spread things out a little bit. I'm not mad at that. I mean, I, I am someone who spent time in the Midwest for grad school and spent three and a half years in Chicago, uh, not missing the winters currently. I, I, I would not trade the 73 degrees currently outside on my balcony as opposed to the Midwest winters. But uh, yeah, a little bit of Midwest flavor can't be mad at that. Although Lucas uh, presently lives in Austin, Texas, so he, he's got a little bit of everything going on. I do. So I, uh, I I share the sentiment where, you know, I, Iowa is an amazing place to be from. Uh, I think it will always hold a special place in my heart as home. But boy, you know, I do not miss the snow. I don't miss uh, having those days where it's literally negative degrees and the, the, the air hurts your face. That is not an exaggeration. The air hurts your face when it is that cold. It is super nice to it's it's a couple of days from Christmas down here in Austin and I can wear shorts outside. It is wonderful. Amen to that. Although it does get awfully hot down here. So I, I do appreciate the days when it dips into the 50s. All right. So actually, Eric, you picked a perfect time to join us because we are now discussing the ironic the the irony of the irony of us going to the roof claim Boca Raton Bowl considering that our stadium almost was it was almost sponsored by Roof Claim. Uh, so just a brief intro. This is taking place a little bit up the road from us, up o- over at FAU Stadium. Uh, it is UCF 6-3 and three against number 17 BYU, who was probably a yard short from being in Coastal Carolina's spot. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that... Not a lot of people. They just look at the record. Oh, they lost the game. But you know, I you got to give them a lot of credit. They, if there was any such thing as two teams winning a game, that would have been it, basically. It's it's almost the same. I, I heard a lot of the same things where um, you know, it was an echo of 2015, where uh, Iowa was uh, 13 and 0, and we everyone was just kind of saying like, well, well, listen, you know, it's. Uh, 13 and 0 doesn't mean that they should be ranked very high, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, if, if games were easy to win, or then then why doesn't everyone go 13 and 0? I mean, it, you do have to give them some credence for getting to the point that they're at. They do have the one loss, and their one loss is to undefeated Coastal. Yeah, that's yeah, it's it's a shame that the G5s kind of get thrown under the bus, but. I digress. So this is going to be a fun game, I think. Uh, you've got two extremely high-powered offenses here. 
Uh, Dylan Gabriel threw for over 3,300 yards. Uh, he had a touchdown ratio, uh, a touchdown interception ratio of 30 to 4. He threw for over 400 yards in, I think, four or five games this year. And he actually eclipsed 600 uh, in a game which we actually lost, which is awful. But um, And then BYU... I was able to watch a bit of that Coastal game, and, well, I'm not really an, an, an analyst, so I'll let the, the professionals take it over. What are what are your thoughts on it, Eric? Yeah, I mean, when you look at BYU and you look at that program, it doesn't matter if it goes right Rocco Mendenhall and you can go back throughout their time. They're all going to be a really well-coached team, and if you look at Kamal Tataki, I mean, he's done a great job with the program going 10-1, and 1, as you guys mentioned only lost to Coastal, and that's a really good Coastal team. You know, the thing about Coastal, and where I think I'm leaning towards giving BYU the edge here, but the thing about Coastal that I think is really interesting is if you look at the offense they run, it is what we call a, um, a a power or like a spread option, right? So it's not the triple option. It's not, you know, old school Oklahoma or, you know, even like the Georgia Tech or like the modern era 2000s where you're going to line up on the center and have multiple running backs. It, it's a spread option where the quarterback is going to line up in the shotgun and or on the pistol and, and, and kind of have some more some of those new age kind of uh, modifications on the on the uh, option. But the reason I bring that up is because when you look at UCF and kind of the dynamic they, the players they have there in the backfield with Greg McRae, Otis Anderson. I'm, you may know this, Andrew. I'm not particularly sure what Otis Anderson's status is for uh, this game. I do believe he is playing. I know some players have chosen to opt out and prepare for the NFL draft, but there's going to be a lot of similarities between what UCF is looking to do schematically and what kind of, in terms of the run game, and the passing is different. You know, um, Dylan Gabriel's one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. He can't compare to Grayson McCall over there at, at, uh, at Coastal Carolina, or I should say Grayson McCall can't compare to Dylan Gabriel. But schematically, in terms of some of the things we're going to try to do with the back of the backfield and their athleticism, that'll give BYU a bit of an advantage now they face that. Now for UCF, what I'm really looking forward to seeing is what the defense can do. Uh, Randy Shannon has kind of been much maligned in UCF circles, and you know it, I, I think he takes a, a bit of an unfair beating just in the sense that, yes, um, the team has given up a lot of points. And you, you, can, you can look at you know, maybe some of the lack of adjustments going to the second half and, and kind of question his uh, strategy. But I, I think that can be said overall as a whole for Josh Heifel throughout his entire tenure. If you look at many of the losses uh, in his tenure there, I believe, Andrew, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe all of his losses uh, during his tenure at UCF have been within, uh, or at least within uh, one score, maybe 10 points. So when you look at kind of that repeated uh, kind of trend there, including close ball games, that's something you want to put on your head coach as far as making adjustments. But overall, I think UCF's in for a good ball game. It's going to be a challenge. Again, this will probably be the best team, either BYU or Cincinnati, probably the best team that UCF's faced all year. It'll be interesting to have. Gotcha. All right. Um, Lucas, do you have anything to add? No, I really think he got most of the information out of the way. Um, I, I I can agree with the assessments about the triple option. It's really interesting to watch them play. Um, the only other triple option uh, things that I would have looked at for comparison would have been maybe some of the service academies because they're just kind of famous for running that triple option. Um, I was glad he brought up uh, Georgia Tech, though, because uh, that – that is a triple option that seems to kind of be a little more bit uh, unique and definitely different than uh, uh, what is going to be run here. Um, 
but you know, really I, I'm not a professional, so I don't know if I can, uh, I, I don't think I've watched enough BYU this year to definitely say that they're going to have the advantage, but most of what I've been hearing is people uh, wanting to give BYU the edge. So I guess really what it's going to come down to is watching the game. It's just working. Kind of. You're a little, still a little scratchy. What about There's now? still a tiny bit of static in there, but it's uh, your voice is coming through a lot better. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to just kind of glance over, if you will, some of the other bowls. I want to focus a bit more on the bowls that our teams are playing in. Um, so you've got the RNL Carriers, uh, New Orleans Bowl. You've got five and four Louisiana Tech versus seven and five Georgia Southern. Um, based on what I saw, I, I didn't follow uh, the CUSA that much this year, but uh, Eric obviously has La Tech beat the crap out of FIU last season. Um, I'm not sure. Did they? I, I doubt they played this year since FIU only had five games. Yeah, the Louisiana Tech game was actually initially postponed and canceled due to FIU lacking bodies. So that game was not, uh, that game didn't take place this year. And then last year, yeah, you mentioned uh, it wasn't quite a shellacking. I mean, FIU kept it close for three quarters, and then in the end, uh, got a silly mistake, gave Louisiana Tech the win in the 2019 game. I know that uh, Butch Davis, FIU's head coach, was uh, pulling his hair out after that one, if I remember correctly. And the big thing in that game, uh, Andrew, was that there were some calls and yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. Yep, I remember now. Yeah, depends on which side of the which side of the coin you're on. But there was a uh, run by Anthony Jones, which looked like as if it was clear that he had scored and crossed the double lane in the end zone, and uh, that one went in Louisiana Tech's favor. So definitely were some calls that caused Butch Davis to uh, be a little bit frustrated with the refs at the USA. Yeah, so that should be. Well, let's, I'm going to be honest. All the fact that we had a season this year was incredible, and I'm very thankful. And you know, I know a lot of guys uh, went down with with CV. Uh, just to let you know, Eric, we YouTube apparently doesn't like it when people use the full actual name of the virus. Correct. So we we try to find little kind of interesting ways to go around it. We call it CV. We call it the Varus. Um, obviously, Rona, like everyone calls it. Uh, so if you hear anything like that, it's just our way of trying to fool the YouTube overlords. Sure. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people got it, but thankfully... As far as I know, you know, some guys have long-term effects, but I don't know what to say. I, I think just the fact that we were able to get through a season was awesome, and it, it gave us something to kind of look forward to this year, which has been a really crappy year. Um, but, yeah, I guess I'll move on. Uh, Montgomery Bowl. Memphis, FAU, uh, seven and three Memphis, five and three Ford Atlantic. This is FAU's first year with Willie Taggart, the journeyman who went from Western Kentucky 
to South Florida, to Oregon, to Florida State, and now to FAU, if I remember it correctly. Yeah, Drew, you, uh, you nailed all the discussion there. You got it correct. I, I was actually tracing an invisible map in the air to figure out where he was going. <laughs> um, FAU, kind of a quote-unquote down year compared to last year where they won the CUSA title, uh, upset SMU in literally the home bowl. They played in the Boca Raton Bowl um, last year. And by the way, Cherubundi, I mean, you guys are cool. Thank you for sponsoring the bowl, but I really do not like your cherry drinks. <laughs> is, this, is this mic working better? Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Uh... Do you have any say on that one, uh, Eric, since you do cover CUSA for the most part? Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me my thoughts on kind of Montgomery Bowl, I mean, that one should be pretty interesting. I think it has a chance to be one of the more entertaining bowls that Conference USA is in, mainly because if you look at the opponent, right, and this is kind of a chance for Conference USA, they don't really get a chance to play a team like Memphis, right? When you think about them, you think about them in the, in the same uh, stratosphere as the UCFs and teams like that have really been among the top tier of G5 teams that have had a chance to challenge the bowl game. And if you know anything about the Tigers, you know they're led by their quarterback, Brady White, who's been playing college ball seemingly since we were in college. You know, he's, uh, uh, I believe it was Brady's fifth year, could be fifth, no, no, this is fifth year, he'll have one more year if he so chooses to next year, so he's, uh, he's completed his doctorate, I know that for a fact, so you're talking about Memphis team, Brady White, it was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, transferred from Arizona State, didn't really get a chance to uh, take the field at Arizona State, but has made the most of his opportunity at Memphis, and been one of the best quarterbacks in G5 football, Memphis is without some players, Kenny Gainwell, their star running back, chose to opt out at the end of the year, Demonte Coxie, probably an NFL receiver, he chose to opt out at the middle during the middle of the year, but they still have uh, a ton of talent left on that team. And for FAU, as you mentioned, I wouldn't call it a down year. They, they had some losses. Uh, the loss to Marshall was, excuse me, uh, actually, it was a loss to Marshall. Uh, apologies for that one, but it was a loss to Marshall. They were down about 30 guys due to the pandemic situation that we're in. Uh, they came back and had a loss against Southern, but that one was rather disappointing. And the loss of Georgia Southern, again, is one that, uh, you know, I guess the theme of this podcast or the theme of this episode would be true. Right? Georgia Southern is a team that runs a triple option offense. And when you don't face that type of offense week in and week out, it's really hard to prepare for that. So I think it's got a chance to be a really interesting game for FAU because this is one that, despite the 5-3 and three record, this one, if you could have win over Memphis and taken that into the offseason, especially given what the recruiting class they've uh, kind of accumulated so far, it's ranked top in Conference USA by 247 Sports, and they'll add some players back who missed the majority of this year due to certain circumstances. This would be a great win for the offseason. So I'll definitely be looking forward to seeing what this matchup uh, entails. Anything else anyone else wants to add? Well, let me, before we move on, uh, our next guest of the evening uh, has just joined us. He is by far our most Western guest. Um, his name is Matt. He goes by Boise Blue 1905 on Twitter. He is also a Cal fan. Um, so, Matthew, tell us a little bit, because I don't even know that much about you, to be honest. I know that you do some... Uh, writing, but um, I don't know. 
tell tell us a little bit more about you. My apologies, my uh, my mute button was uh, was sticking. Is that the is that the most spoken phrase, by the way, of 2020 so far? My mute button doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like to be uh, every meeting I'm in at work is you ask a question, there's like a 30 second pause before someone answers. Hey, uh, thank you guys so much for uh, for having me on today. Uh, you know, this is an honor for me. Um, I've gotten to know a lot of um, you know a lot of UCF fans over the course of um, I want to say the last year when when UCF football Twitter put me on blast um, for for making a comment that in my defense was completely sarcastic. Um, I managed to convince a lot of you that it was sarcastic. I, I provided the proof. I like to think, but uh, made a lot of friends out of it. Um, so that's kind of my association with UCF Twitter Mafia. But a little bit about me. So I am a um, I am a Boise State alum. I graduated from there in 2012. Uh, from then I went on to the Bay Area, where I lived uh, there for about five years uh, before making my way back to my hometown in Orange County, California. So I um, I, I hold a degree from Boise State. Uh, my my love for Cal is is certainly baffling for a lot of people <laughs> it's not the most popular team or the most dominant um, but my wife is a Cal Bear uh, grad both for undergrad and law school um, I lived in Berkeley uh, when I moved out to the Bay Area so I went to grad school out of Cal State East Bay so I got really uh, acquainted with the Cal Bear community uh, while I was there but um, I'm a huge football junkie. Uh, college football is is definitely my preference. I you know obviously I'm partial to Cal and Boise State, but I am um, I'm a fan of just exciting football in general. You'll catch me watching games in the morning if they pique my interest. You'll catch me watching them at night if they do. You know college football is is in my opinion a you know it's a special sport. It brings a lot of people together and gives people a sense of pride. Yes, sir, and welcome to the show. I don't think anyone has ever said that they were honored to be on the show. <laughs> But we're honored to have you for sure. So thank you for, for joining <laughs> us here in Francisco, by the way. I'm uh, one of the co-hosts here, but Andrew's the one that's taking over the show. Yeah, friends, uh, we, the three, there's normally three of us that run the show. Charles couldn't be here, but he is our wrestling guru. Francisco is uh, NBA, NFL. Uh, no, uh, no, 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 not NFL, hockey, because I... I write for SB Nation, their Florida Panthers site. So that's that's right. me right there, yeah. So <laughs> and then I I take lead on anything college football related. Awesome. So just a quick introduction to everyone else who's here. We have Lucas Napoulos, who is an RCFB mod along with me. He is an Iowa graduate. We have Brendan Rourke, who is contributing writer for the Indiana Pacers. He is a UCF alum like myself. And then on the phone, we have Eric Henry, who is a co-managing editor. Is that, if I remember that correctly? Something like that. He's a, I guess all, to make it not fancy, he's a writer, uh, a lead writer for Underdog Dynasty. And he does a lot of work, uh, particularly with FIU and uh, Conference USA. And cool. is also a UCF alum. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just briefly going through. I'm going to skip the New Mexico Bowl because we have one more person coming on the show. I call this a we call this a bowl extravaganza for a reason. We are pulling out all the stops, no holes barred. We've got 
we're going to have five awesome guests on the show. We really wanted to make this the most episode we've ever had. Uh, but I'm going to skip temporarily on the New Mexico Bowl because we're going to have a Houston fan coming in, and she'll be able to break that one down. Camellia Bowl, Marshall, Buffalo. Do you want to discuss that a little bit, Eric? Yeah, so the Camellia Bowl, first off, the game I had a chance to cover last year. No disrespect to the great city of Montgomery. It's got a lot of cool things going on there if you're uh, a fan of uh, civil rights history and things of that nature. <laughs> pretty cool, but uh, if you're looking for a meal after 8 o'clock, uh, Waffle House is going to be the only option, so we're going to have a fabulous meal to go. There's nothing wrong with the Waffle House. I like Waffle House, but uh, three days in a row past 11, uh, 11 p.m., that was it. For Buffalo, Jarek Watterson honestly may be the best running back in college football. For fans who may be uninitiated, he is the running back who rushed for eight touchdowns and over 400 yards a couple weeks ago. Uh, in Mac play, but he is a stud. Uh, definitely believe, uh, unless something has come out in the past 48 hours, I believe that he will be playing in the game and has not chosen to opt out. Uh, for Marshall, their star running back, Brendan Knox, and their star running, excuse me, star linebacker, Javante Beckett, have chosen to opt out and will be pursuing their NFL career, so they won't be playing. Those will be two huge losses for Marshall. Marshall, as, uh, you know, Andrew, some fans may know, they were ranked in the top, uh, as high as the top, uh, top 15. We were ranked 13th at the point of time during the year. Had the loss to Rice, then followed up with the right with the loss last week to UAB. So they're coming off two straight losses. And to the Camellia Bowl, uh, this is a game that if I were picking it, I would take Buffalo just because of the loss that Marshall has. And Grant Wells is still a redshirt freshman quarterback. He's thrown, if my memory serves me correct, two touchdowns and eight interceptions in his last two games. So definitely a struggle for Wells. And without the star players, uh, it's still should be a competitive game. Uh, for me, it'd probably be the second most competitive bowl game in Conference USA behind Memphis and FAU. But uh, I think Buffalo uh, is probably ready to take this one, especially if Jared Patterson is playing. Yeah, if I, he had, what, uh, was it seven or eight touchdowns on his own a few weeks ago? Eight, eight touchdowns. Yeah, Francisco, the dude ran in eight touchdowns. Oh, no, I remember. I re- that he was the sports center top ten. Come on now. <laughs> Yeah, so like I said a little bit ago, all a lot of these games are going to be really, really fun this year, and I'm definitely going to be spending a lot of my copious free time kind of peeking in on bowls every now and then. This is your uh, home, hometown bowl here, Eric. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. The newly renamed Gasparilla Bowl, Union Home Mortgage, is now the sponsor. It's kind of the revolving door. It... So it was the first. It was bad the, boy Mullen. Or go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were talking about last year's game. I'm just. I'm trying to remember all the names. It was the St. Petersburg Bowl. Then it was the Magic Jack St. Petersburg Bowl. Then it was the Beefo Brady St. Uh, then it was the Beefo Brady's Bowl. Then it was the St. Peters Beefo Brady St. Petersburg Bowl. Then it was the Bitcoin St. Petersburg Bowl or just the Bitcoin Bowl, and then it was the Gasparilla Bowl, then it was the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl, and now Union Home Mortgage. Like I said, if you want to discuss that one, since, well, A, it's got a CUSA team in it, and B, like I said, it is your hometown bowl. Yeah, I'll be covering that game, so I'll refrain from picking it, but it's one, as you mentioned, that's gone through a litany of sponsors, but that's kind of corporate sponsorship as far as college football goes these days. You know, outside of the, um, you know, I'm sure you remember when we were growing up at the Fiesta Bowl, it was the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl, right? And that yeah. was 
the, the that was it, right? Nowadays, I don't know what it is, but I, I can promise you it's not Tostitos. I think it might be PlayStation or something to, to that effect, you know? So uh, corporate sponsorship uh, and fine form, right? They're not missing any checks. But as far as on the field, this is one that's probably the most controversial bowl game mm-hmm. uh, of any bowl game of 2020. Because South Carolina's a 2-18. and 18, So they're taking full advantage of the fact that all and any FBS team is eligible to qualify for a bowl game. 2-8 uh, South Carolina team had the Tampa to take off. UAB. This is one that's going to be interesting uh, within the past hour or so. I think it just came out that UAB's head coach Bill Clark is not taking the Auburn job. So that was would have been a storyline heading into the game. Uh, on the field, UAB's a really good team for people who may not know. I know a lot of people may not be familiar with Conference USA teams, but they have a lot of Power 5 players. They had a kid, Jordan Smith, who began his career at UF, transferred to UAB. He is one of the best defensive players in Conference USA. Running back is Spencer Brown, a two-time thousand-yard rusher, one of the best running backs in Conference USA. It, basically, this is my long-winded way of saying, I expect UAB to win. Uh, just, just don't get caught in name recognition. I know you look at it. On paper, I'll say South Carolina UAB, pick South Carolina, but again, that's a 2-8 and eight South Carolina team versus a, U, a UAB team that has a lot of NFL talent and is the, or worthy, uh, 2020 champs in Conference USA. So that is a, a bowl game that I'll be attending and certainly looking forward to see how that one plays out. <laughs> and I, I know I've been kind of hogging everything, but Lucas, Brendan, Matt, uh, please feel free to chime in whenever because, you know, we, we want your input as well. I don't want to be hogging up the whole thing. Don't worry. I will be happy to, to fill in with my shit takes at any point that I feel like <laughs> they are necessary. I'm just making sure my mic works. But, yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I think if I'm allowed to pick, I think UAB is not going to have a problem with South Carolina. Other than South Carolina's running back, Kevin Harris, South Carolina's offense leaves a lot to be desired. If UAB can stop Kevin Harris, Harris had, I think it was, if I read it really quick, it was five 100-yard games and two 200-yard games, which is no small feat, especially in the SEC. But other than Kevin Harris, there is no offense coming from South Carolina at all. And I think UAB and Spencer Brown uh, have enough firepower to definitely pull pull off a – I wouldn't call it an upset again because South Carolina's two and eight, but it's definitely going to be a nice Power Five win for a program that definitely deserves deserves a lot of spotlight that they don't get. And then just as a as a note, um, for those who don't remember, UAB got the axe uh, a few years ago. I believe it was 2014. Uh, got the axe from the University of Alabama System Board of Trustees. But thanks to massive public outcry and uh, public and donations, they were able to revive the team. And they are doing better right now than they have at any prior stretch of their history. Eric probably knows this. This is what their fourth straight. They've been in a bowl every year since they've been back, right? Since 2017? They've won Conference USA twice, including this year, and have made a bowl in each year. And I don't think they made a bowl ever prior to that, correct? They, my memory starts me correct, they'd made one bowl game. And I know their most famous, quote-unquote, um, football alum was Joe Webb, former Vikings quarterback, spent some time on a practice squad as a receiver as well. Started a playoff game uh, a couple years back, but uh, I, I believe they'd made one bowl game, if my memory starts me correct. All right, so I'm not too far off base. Hawaii Bowl in 04. 
I'll let BU or Freddie look that look that up. They're kind of our additional researchers. And actually, our next and final guest is here. Her name is Allison. She is like Lucas and I, an RCFB mod, and she is our she is our well no 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 Lucas currently lives in Texas, but so does Allison, and she is our University of Houston fan. So if you care to uh, care to introduce yourself really quick. Okay. Uh, yeah, Allison Curligan. I am uh, alumni of Houston, class of 2012, um, season ticket holder uh, the entire time of TDECU until this past year when I redshirted my tickets. Um, so yeah, longtime fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I briefly jumped over the New Mexico Bowl, because that is the bowl that Houston is in. Do you have any uh, takes or insight into how Houston did this year and uh, how you think they'll do? Number one, I can't believe we're bowling, like, straight out. Just, it's insane to me that we went to a bowl game, and we announced actually before the end of the season. I guess the end of, like, last weekend. Uh, I honestly don't know how this team's going to be. I still don't know what I think about this year's team. I think that there's a lot of good things that Holgerson has done, but it's been so start and stop all season long. It took till October to be able to play games. They were out another three weeks with COVID protocols. I still don't know what I think. There's flashes of brilliance. There's flashes of we clearly deserve the record we had. And so I'm, Pretty excited to see what kind of product's going to come out, but I have no actual expectations because I still don't know what this team is. Can I uh, say one thing? Sorry, go ahead. Go, no, 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 you go. So this is one of the bowls that actually, um, this New Mexico Bowl is um, one of the bowls that personally intrigues me. And I think that because, and the reason for that is we look at kind of, I don't want to say, um, you know, I'm going to say it and then explain it. So okay. the certain pickings we had in terms of the the team, the availability of teams we had, um, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, to, to put together in a bowl. So you know, we were just talking about UAB in, in South Carolina, which, by the way, I think UAB is going to to take that game as well. Uh, and I think the key is the defense. Uh, people don't. I think people underestimate that UAB defense a lot. You know, you look mm-hmm. back at the Marshall game um, and what they did, and Marshall can put up points and they shut them down. I think you're going to see that a lot. Um, I think that defense is going to be key to that. But um, uh, but but just looking at how um, the point I'm making is looking at how unbalanced those games look. You you look at Hawaii and Houston, and this is one of the few matchups I think is so well balanced in, in, in that the teams are so evenly matched in so many in so many ways. If I'm looking at it based on what I see in paper, I'm going to go with Hawaii as the victor there, and not to disrespect your Cougars, but um, I think the key right there is, is you look at the you look at these units, and Hawaii is a team that can air it out, and mm-hmm. is unfortunately giving up a lot of yards to the air. And um, just watching my Broncos play Hawaii year in and year out, um, that is a, that's always been a big thing. Is Hawaii can throw, they can throw, they can throw. Tom Graham likes those types of offenses. He ran that at Arizona State, and he's doing it again here at Hawaii. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, when I look at it, I think that the, the, that key matchup is going to be how that Houston secondary matches up and shuts down that Hawaii passing game. And I wish I could say confidently that, yes, like the defense is amazing. The defense is obviously, the, to me, the stronger part of the dream offensive defense. I just, I'm so concerned, number one, just so much off and on. It's building momentum. It's got to be just crushing to have your season stopped twice. So my obvious thing is the talent, I think, is there to make it a really intriguing matchup. I just am so concerned. Number one, can the defense gel enough? I mean, it's definitive plans, which is fantastic. But can they do that? And our second thing is defense is nice. But you can't win a game without scoring, and I don't know that our O-line is consistent enough, especially you look at Clayton Toon. He's got moments of absolute brilliance that I want to say, okay, it's been a weird year. He's going to be really strong. But then there are moments I'm just concerned. Are there a lot of things he's missing in there? And even though we've made that strong, strong commitment to Toon, the other thing is, if anything were to happen to him, I we've seen, what, a handful of Logan holders in place? That's it. Nothing to inspire confidence. And so with our O-line being weak as it is, not enough to give Tune the time he needs, and then we have no idea what's lurking at QB2, really. I'm really intrigued to see because I think Hawaii is going to be consistent. By the way, I do think Hawaii is going to take this for no other reason than Hawaii's had more consistency. They've been able to pull off plays. This is very much a Houston team still trying to figure out who they are because they have essentially got half a season. I'd like to add something a little off the wall. Okay. If you want. I I, uh, I also believe Hawaii is going to take this, but they have, they have a – I wouldn't even call it a secondary reason to want to win this game. They have a tertiary – slash whatever the word for fourth reason to win this game is three days ago it has been reported that aloha stadium in hawaii was condemned so it has been deemed unsafe to play in and this may be hawaii's last fbs game for a little bit for at least two three years so maybe they want to go out on a high note because the current rule states i believe an fbs stadium needs to be able to seat 15,000, mm-hmm. I want to say, and the second biggest stadium in Hawaii only seats 10,000. And so this may be Hawaii's last FBS game, and they probably want to go out on a high note before they either have to play FCS, probably somewhere in California, or I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to follow Hawaii because having their stadium condemned and renovations during during CV-19, um, yeah. it's going to be yeah. quite interesting this year if anyone wants to follow Hawaii football even more. That's, that's I crazy was just that reading about that. That's news yeah. to me. I wonder what I the just... temporary situation... I mean, I don't, the baseball team used to play at Aloha Stadium, and I think they got their own venue. So I don't know even know if that's even possible to add temporary seats to that area and figure that out. I'm not even sure. I'd have to research that. Mm-hmm. Can we just pretend that Hawaii will get the same rules bent for them as Ohio State did? And maybe they'll just make an exception for a 10,000-seat stadium? <laughs> and then as, as you point out... In case you're wondering how I feel about that. Maybe, and maybe Cole Brennan <laughs> can come back, too. He still has a few years of eligibility for him. 
I mean, if there's got a team who's going to play under 10,000 and they're not a max school, I would say Hawaii would be okay to let them slide with a waiver. Yeah. I would hope so. And I mean, Freddie over here on our, our text slide showing that uh, San Diego State is also playing in a temporary venue because uh, Qualcomm is uh, being torn down. And San Jose mm-hmm. State did that pretty much all season this year. You know, they, they relocated up to Humboldt, and I think then from there they moved on over to Las Vegas. So, I mean, I think it, it's it's not like it hasn't been done before. Granted, they, they relocated to stadiums that met these quote-unquote FBS requirements. But, um, you know, so it's, it, that, that'd be, that's, that, that's the first time I've heard of that. That would be a shame for a program with the first year head coach who I think did pretty well considering the circumstances. Um, I would certainly hope that that's not the case. I would hope so as well. But if you need a team to look really good for like just creaming in a bowl, lately that's been Houston. After the Peach Bowl, it's just, you know, let's make you look good, Army. Do us a solid. Get us some change. <laughs> I actually, I'm going to kind of shift directions here a little bit because I just saw some breaking news, which actually defeats the purpose of my first rant of the evening, which was how in the hell is a two and eight South Carolina team playing, but army, a nine and two army isn't well, it just came down the pipeline actually less than 20 minutes ago that I forget who mentioned it, but indeed, Army will be replacing Tennessee in the Liberty Bowl. Yay! As they should. Mm-hmm. As they absolutely should. Yeah, thank, thank goodness. That, that would have been an absolute travesty. And let me, just to clue Francisco in, so Army has, and if, if I'm off base here at any point, the Liberty Bowl. <laughs> If, if I'm, like, off-base or if I'm saying something incorrect, please jump in at any time. Um, but Army has, I think, a standing invitation with the Independence Bowl. Or was it the Military Bowl? I think the Armed Forces Bowl. Armed Forces Bowl. Armed Forces. I thought it, they had a tie-in with the Independence Bowl, and the issue was the Independence Bowl was canceled. And then the outrage was Army could not be in either the Military Bowl or the Armed Forces Bowl because they had already been picked. So, you know, I think you're correct. Yeah, that does sound... Yeah, so, because Army, I think, was sitting in the Independence Bowl, and of course, everybody blamed Boise State for opting out of a bowl game that, um, you know, for the reason that not having a bowl. But I think that... uh, I'm glad to hear that, you know. um, But I think you are correct on that. I actually think it is. The Independence Bowl. Yeah, Freddie on, Freddy on the text right? slide has just said it's, it's, it is the Independence Bowl. So, mm-hmm. And then uh, Nitro here. Think of the SEC. What are they going to do for money without Tennessee in a bowl game? The travesty. <laughs> the humanity. <laughs> yeah, but this is fantastic for Army, though. I mean, just on bowl locations, that's an upgrade from Shreveport to Memphis. Mm-hmm. You know, back in, back in the day, quote-unquote, Liberty Bowl was the the essentially the Champions Bowl for Conference USA. I mean, I know that makes it sound worse, but Liberty Bowl is a highly regarded bowl. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those just kind of like tiers. You've got the New Year's Six, and you've got the Citrus Bowl. 
you know, kind of like a second tier. And then I'd, I'd put Liberty Bowl, maybe not necessarily in matchups, but in kind of the history of it. I'd put it up there in kind of that second, maybe third tier. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with that. So, and, you know, it's been sponsored by, well, it's sponsored by uh, AutoZone for as long as I can remember, but it also has a huge tie-in to uh, the St. Jude's Hospital, which is awesome. But yeah, I'm I'm happy to see that, and that eliminates my my rant, which was how in the hell, like I said, how in the hell is South Carolina in the Army isn't? But thank you, Liberty Bowl. Thank you, Tennessee. You just saved me a rant, and we can move on to more important things. Tennessee definitely gets the hero reward, while yeah. everyone still gets to look at South Carolina like. Hmm. Francisco, <laughs> Francisco, hit us with the real MVP graphic. The real MVP. Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we do have segments on our normal show. We have the real MVP where we just shout out people in sports who do great things. It's just like, yeah, these people are the real MVPs after our uh, friend of the show, Kevin Durant. He hasn't come on the show yet, but one day he will because we love him. It's, uh, it's one of our segments here. So, yeah, real MVP. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, so real MVP to the volunteers for Volunteering. Uh, giving up the bowl spot <laughs> to a much more deserving team. Let's be totally honest. Yeah, as a chance of not making friends, they are the champions of life this year. That, yeah, they are always the champions of life. Actually, I think uh, Butch, Butch Jones got hired somewhere else, right? I think so. Mm. I think he did. I don't remember where. Oh, uh, Arkansas State. Oh, okay. I'm like, I should know this. I believe Arkansas State is where Major Major Applewhite has landed after his what second season and the Knicks game in school for coaches to coach good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Promo is is an ASU fan, right? I think so. Promo is another one of the RCFB mods. So we, we kind of, I don't know, like, we have a little bit of a rivalry, um, Allison and I, because we're both pretty competitive teams in the AAC, depending on the year. We're um, competitive. Hey, look, look what happened in 2013. Yeah. 2013, 2014. Uh-huh. And, God, there was another year recently where we had a really close game with you guys. Was it 2015? Did we play you guys in 2015? I don't know. Like, once I, like, went to the Louisville game, like, I know the rest of the season happened, but, like, it's a blur in 2016. Yeah. uh, I'm looking it up to see if I can figure it out. Yeah, that was a game in 2016 for for UCF. 31-24. And then I, I of course, remember the 2013 game, uh, A, because it was one of the biggest roadblocks on our way to going to the BCS Bowl, to the Fiesta Bowl, but also because after the game-winning incompletion, uh, I got, I'll call it slightly crushed by a throng of fans that were going insane. Because I was I was standing in the student section, we were all jumping like mad when the final pass was uh, deflected incomplete. I slipped a little bit on the bleacher that I was standing on and kind of fell back. And there were people, the same thing happened to them. So I got a little bit crushed, uh, but it was, it was well worth <laughs> the crush. 
You don't get hurt when you win a game you weren't sure you were going to win. Did it really matter? It does not matter at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my messed up my ankle. Gosh, I got to figure out what year this was. I want to say it was 2010. Um, when Houston played Tech at home. Is it 2009? I'm like looking this up because what I remember is I hurt myself. I did. Uh, I decided that was my very first time rushing the field. And this isn't in beautiful TDECU Stadium where you worry about, you know, staircases and like getting hit by security guards. Mm. I had an eight foot drop into some bushes and I just <laughs> jumped it. And like all my friends landed. It was beautiful. And I was on a sprained ankle for a week. Doesn't matter. Still got on the field. Don't remember which player I high fived. You could do that back then. <laughs> uh, that, good old days. Those yeah, that was five people. Yeah, that was such a strange experience compared to the others because I had never camped out for tickets, which I know, like my brother went to A and M, and so every year he and his buddies would just go camp outside for football tickets. Like I don't know, three days. And I was there the night before. I was in line at 10 a.m. I wish I could shout out the fraternity that like my friends and I just joined in. Like they brought couches. They were hardcore about this. Really wish I could shout them out. Don't know who they are. But yeah, it was like, this is what it's like to go to a P5 school and have to earn my tickets. Because every other game I just show up. There were games I was like, I'm bored. We're not good. And like would just leave. The you don't know what you what you're missing out on, uh, Lucas having to go through the doldrums of a, of an okay season as a G5. So I, I'm, I'm sorry. I uh, must have missed part of the question there. Could you repeat that one more time for me? Oh, uh, I was, I was just saying that you, you've missed, you missed out on the fun of being a fan of a G5 school where, where, I, where I, I, I don't necessarily with the, the three teams that I follow really have to, to deal with the harshness of being treated uh, unfairly as many of the G5 programs are. Yeah. Although let's yeah. let's be honest, FSU is. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'll, you know, I've already we, told everybody we we deserve to be in a deep dark pit. You leave us down there, we'll come back in 15 years, win a national championship, and then we'll go back in the hole. That's right. You know, and yeah. you know, I, I only I only wish that uh, Iowa would do that. You know, once uh, because we have one <laughs> national championship, and that was in the 50s. So. You know, when it when it comes to you know being a fan of you know uh, definitely three P five teams, you're you're right that I do miss out on a little bit of the the chagrin that you get from being a G five uh, fan, especially seeing you know I at least in my view I have seen uh, G five teams really only over the past maybe twenty fifteen years um, have you know kind of rose to prominence. Uh, you know, some some of the you know more famous ones being you know say Boise State, which was mentioned. I think it was Matthew who said he was a, uh, a alum of them, or your Western Michigans, uh, your Cincinnati's, your Memphises, and then uh, you know unfortunately the teams like you know Nevada and you know uh, San Diego State, uh, New Mexico State, you know th- things like that. You know the teams that are in the G5s that you know honestly don't get the kind of respect that they deserve because they year in and year out play some of those bigger teams. And I, I think it definitely is time for them to give a little bit more of the respect that they are due. So, you know, that that's kind of, you know, sums up my thoughts on it. But you're you're right that I do I do uh mercifully not have to worry about ever having you know, not meeting someone who's who knows of my team. And it's also a good thing for us prominent G five fans to remember that other schools exist. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't actually realize that Northern Illinois 
fielded a football team. Like I knew it because I I love Maction in November, but it never clicked that it was like a real team in a real stadium. Like until like an actual football team, uh, I was up in DeKalb. I was like, oh, that's cute. That's like my high school stadium. <laughs> right there, there's always ones to bring up that are so interesting that are that are close to that. I mean, so there's NIU. Um, one of the ones that really gets me is, I mean, if we want to compare this to P5 just for a brief moment, um, you know, bring up some teams like you know Wake Forest or mm-hmm. Vanderbilt or something like that, who are you know objectively teams who are in a P5 conference. But if you if you were to say like, hey, if you watched a Wake Forest game versus a UCF game, you know, maybe this maybe UCF isn't the team to bring up with these guys or you know, say uh, Western Michigan, have you ever watched a Western Michigan game or have you ever watched uh, a Houston game, right? You're, you're, you're much more likely to find a fan of one of those G5 programs rather than Wake Forest. Um, but you bring, a, you bring a great point, Allison, where it's like, well, uh, you know, some, some of these smaller teams like Texas State uh, is, is another good one that's close to us. Mm-hmm. Um, or like I, like I mentioned, like uh, North Dakota State or uh, uh, what is it, UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, right? Nobody watches that. And it's, it's always kind of interesting to see, like, the dichotomy of people who are the big fans of P5 programs and the people who stick with these G5 programs that are relatively unknown outside of their locale. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you see that even on all levels because, I mean, I've seen, granted, I've actually been to a Wake Forest game, so I get involved that. But, like, seeing the crowds, even for, like, I've been watching Northern Illinois games compared to, gosh, the 2018 D3 championship and just seeing so many more people, like even seeing that just to really respect the people who like die hard, follow their teams. Um, definitely because I believe Mount Union, who was there both years, uh, is not nearby. Whereas Mary Harden Baylor was, so everybody showed up. Yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's an interesting was dynamic. Championship, so. I, I was just saying, like, because um, I, I went on a road trip with my dad yesterday to see some uh, Major League Baseball stadiums, and I'm telling you, there are places and people where you don't think there are people, and they follow their teams die hard, hardcore. And I passed through towns and and through the South and all that stuff, and and small schools, but they have their mm-hmm. following and they have their hardcore fan base and they are rabid about it. And that is their team. There's no NFL team. There's no big power five team nearby. There's, I mean, they have, I have a minor league baseball team poss- possibly, but uh, they lob, they, they latch on to that college football team and, and, and they are loyal as all hell. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, that's what breaks my heart uh, to talk really briefly about, the hurricane, seeing McNeese State and just how much devastation they've gone through. But mm-hmm. the fan base is so loyal. To build a little bit on the um, on the point, I, I apologize, the, the gentleman on the phone, I forgot your name. But to... Oh, um, I, I, sorry, I'm, we've been talking. Um, Eric actually had to leave us a while ago. He's go, uh, on another radio show, so oh, okay. it's just well, the, the six of us, or five, six of us now. Okay. Maybe I miss. Uh, I, I think he's talking from the football game screen. But he had made up a point. Uh, he, he had brought up a point about you have those towns and those like even those states where there's no major kind of um, no relevant major team within the vicinity. And mm-hmm. you know it's funny because that's actually a good description of Boise. Uh, when I went there, you know I was there during the Kellen Moore era. Um, that's when I went to school. Mm-hmm. And Boise State football 
was was and still is the biggest thing there, you know, in terms of sports. Um, they Idaho has no professional teams from any sport in in any league. Uh, there's no professional wow. hockey. There's professional baseball. No professional. Basketball. Wow! Now that I'm thinking, now that you've mentioned it, because we have a segment on our show called "Better Know a Minor League Team," where we look up all of these minor league teams all over the country for the you know G League, minor league baseball, minor league hockey, and mm-hmm. I don't think we've covered. Oh wait, there might be one. Idaho Falls Chuck Cars. That might be the one that I can remember in the state of Idaho. That's yeah, that's the only one that I can remember. <laughs> the next two big teams after Boise State football are the Steelheads, which are hockey. yeah, yep, Idaho Steelheads. Yep. There's uh, the Boise Hawks, which are minor league baseball. Yep. Yeah, BU um, is on that right away. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there, you know, and it's um, you know, there's just outside of that, I think the next closest team uh in terms of professional uh is the seattle seahawks so you see a lot of seahawks fans there yeah um basketball there's a surprisingly large amount of laker fans there um and um you know it's it's there's a lot of laker and boston fans and my guess is the hate just grew off of each other and the fan bases grew off of association but Mm -hmm. um you know it's like baseball is generally not very big up there that i can remember i mean i haven't been there well, I mean, I was in Boise in May. I really don't remember seeing anything other than Boise State and bizarrely Oregon. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Oregon fans, which is odd too. I mean, maybe they just feel bad for them since they've never beat us. But um, it's uh, there's a lot of, there's some Oregon fans up there, um, and uh, and then you'll see Oregon Seahawks, and then as you know, it depends on where you are in the state. Um, you know, you'll see some FCS fans. But uh, other than that, uh, Boise State football is definitely the dominant, uh, the dominant uh, athletic presence there. Shout out to the Kibbe Dome. That's all I have as well. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, Francisco Kibbe Dome is the home of the University of Idaho, which yeah, uh, I think we've covered it before. Actually, I think we have. <laughs> which I guess. Theoretically speaking, Idaho is Boise's rival, but not really. Uh, they they were. Uh, we stopped playing them because they did not add any value to our schedule. You know, that was during the BCS era when, you know, that, that stuff really paid, played a big, big factor in terms of those computer rankings. We stopped playing them, I want to say, in 2010, 2011. Um, they just, I mean, the, the games were boring, like, horrendously boring uh, it was, you were talking like 62 to like 17 or 10 blowouts people and it's interesting because the, the, you look up the series between Idaho and Boise and I think Boise just barely had the edge like there was a period of time when Idaho was the dominant football program and they had won like 10 or 12 games in a row against the Broncos um, so you know unless you're from the area you don't really know that you only get the you know, post-2007 Fiesta Bowl version of Boise State, which is what most of the country is really familiar with. So they were watching, they just assumed Boise was always blowing teams out like that. And that wasn't the case. You know, there were rough years for the Broncos. And, but yeah, they, they were kind of our, kind of our, they were our rival when we were there. Do we still hate them? Absolutely. But right now, I would say if Boise State has a big rival right now, it's definitely BYU. Um, and uh, that's that's definitely, I mean, I've had a coach, a BYU coach, call me out on Twitter before. 
but um, it's a it's a pretty heated. Uh, that's a pretty heated rivalry right now. That's actually um, I I've come to learn recently that someone calling you out on Twitter is actually a badge of honor. Yeah, for some people. Because. I because the other day I got an anonymous DM on Twitter that said, and I, I'm quoting here, hey, you, the, just the letter, hey, you little dweeb, UCF is a little fly on the wall when talking about college football in the national conversation. Sure, UCF is good when you're talking to your Central Florida pals who have never left the state, but relax. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I pissed someone off. I love it. You've made it. I got to know. At least give us the team that they root for. See, I don't know because they... It was a blank profile picture. They, uh, I, 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 this person was too much of a didn't coward. even have the egg. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, didn't even have the egg. Yeah, exactly. Like, too much of a coward. To show, I don't know, they probably cheer for, like, I don't know, Tennessee. Since then, they've, <laughs> they've added some pictures to their profile. The first is, the profile picture is of a... Maybe it's a Nebraska fan. I don't know. What what appears to be a, I'm going to guess that's a bulldog puppy, some kind of variant of bulldog, maybe French bulldog, mm. I, I can't quite tell, that is sleeping and has a little uh, thing of, like a bubble of uh, spit coming out of its nose, which I'm going to be honest. It's so freaking cute. I love it. Um, and then the background picture is of, looks like Dennis Rodman next to a piece of chicken. Sounds All like right. I think we should move on. Description <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. So anyway, I guess, I don't know, uh, we can skip through the bowls a little bit because... I don't think we can cover all of them in the time remaining, but I guess we can just jump to, well, first off, let me just finish up everyone's respective teams bowls. Matt, B, uh, Boise State is not going to be in a bowl this year, and you are actually a fan of this move. I am. I'm a big fan of it. Um, you know, it's, so here, here, here's something, like, we had a rough year. Uh, COVID hit, you know, okay, so let me, let me, let me clarify something. I don't, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes over at Boise State. There's a lot of fans that are just as confused as to some of the decisions that were made as the rest of the country is. Um, obviously, something's going on. I do know that COVID and injuries hit us bad. Uh, from what I know, we lost our top receiving target in the Mountain West title game. Our main running back has been out for most of the season. And we've more or less been playing with a bunch of duct-taped quarterbacks um, for the whole season. Um, you know, we had our starter, Hank Bachmeyer. Uh, he was hit with COVID. He was taken out. BYU took out our um, backup quarterback, Jack Sears, um, in the game on an early hit. Uh, we ended up putting in a kid who I think, um, I don't know if anybody here is, Familiar with Nickelodeon from their childhood, but do you remember Stick Stickly? Little oh, Yes, I do. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. I, I love that I little guy. not even know this kid was on the team. I'm not kidding. And I keep <laughs> up with recruiting. And, but his, his, you know, no, no, no disrespect to him. The kid's going to be a threat. That kid can run because he was running all night from that BYU defense. But, you know, he literally was put in the game 
on last second and he played with a playbook that they went and got out of timeout because he did not know the plays. So it's, it's just the, the, the team is so fractured right now for so many reasons. I'm a big fan of them stepping back, looking at the losses, looking at the season, recouping and getting the energy ready for next season. Um, we have a, one of the toughest schedules that we're going to run through next season. So this is a good time to recruit um, for this program. Um, I'm not at all disappointed with the five and two season, especially knowing what the circumstances of the team went through. But overall, I'm, I'm good with the team backing off for a bit. The, the just throw the towel in, walk away, and, and you know, recoup for next season. And now I'm going to move on. We're, we're running, I don't want to say completely short on time, but we have a few other things that I want to cover. So, Lucas, I'm going to throw it to you for the next two bowls. We've got the Transperfect Music City Bowl, which is between your number 15 Hawkeyes and Missouri. And I, if I remember, no, 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 no. You were never in the same conference, right? No, no. So uh, Missouri was, uh, oh boy, were they big? They weren't big eight, were they? I don't know. I think they were big eight. Okay, you know, that's, that's why I was confusing them for a second, because I know, uh, I know Texas, Nebraska, uh, they were all Big 8, and I, I feel like Nebraska was, but I, th- I think they've been in the SEC for as long as I've actually paid attention to Mizzou. And, you know, I, I appreciate the, the pushover to me for, um, for at least that because of Iowa, although uh, I, I definitely will have a hard time being unbiased, which might, might have to be obvious. Um, when talking about the Iowa versus Missouri game, um, I it, it's honestly one of those one of those matchups where I mean I, I love the Music City Bowl. I was been there several times, but I can't help but and this is where the uh, this is where the bias is going to come in. I can't help but think that this is a wildly mismatched uh, matchup for the game. Uh, you have a six and two Iowa Hawkeyes who started uh, who are on a six game winning streak. The two games that we lost at the beginning of the season were to, admittedly, uh, Northwestern, who is actually one of, I think they're the second in the Big Ten right now, actually right behind Ohio State, and uh, the other one was to Purdue. Uh, Since then, and uh, we actually lost both of those games by a combined total of five points. Um, We are on a winning streak of uh, six games after that. And uh, they've seemed to, you know, really, really kind of get into a stride. They... You know, being being a fan of a team like that has you know made me kind of fearful in the first half of the game, but usually when we pull away, it makes me feel a lot better. Um, we've had some really big wins this season. Uh, we had that win last week actually over Wisconsin, uh, or was that two weeks ago? Boy, you know, uh, obligatory time means nothing. But then you compare that with the Missouri Tigers, who uh, their last uh, several games have included a, a real beatdown of one opponent and then a narrow win uh, over Arkansas. Uh, yeah, so they beat Vanderbilt. They blanked Vanderbilt. They had a barely, they had a skin of their teeth win versus Arkansas, and then uh, their last two games have been relative beatdowns from uh, number nine UGA and Mississippi State. So we have uh, a five and five Missouri Tigers uh, going up against the Iowa Hawkeyes, and I just can't help uh, the bias in saying that I don't think it's going to be a very close game. Yeah, I don't. I don't think many people would argue. Uh, I yeah. I don't think that's bias at all. I think Iowa's defense is going to have some fun as well. Yeah, I do too. That, that's one of the um, biggest things. 
and the story oh, of I hope I, I hope I pronounce his name right, but the story of um Davion Nixon at Iowa is is really is really one of your unique college stories like signing with Iowa and then entering the transfer portal but then coming back and then now he's won defensive player of the year or the one of the one of the Big 10 defensive player of the year awards awards and his story kind of kind of helped me watch Iowa for a couple of games definitely definitely he's uh he's an absolute animal um the one thing that uh I would have put up for our team as well, a uh, few people to watch. So Amir Smith-Marset, uh, one of our wide receivers, he's been a name on kind of everyone's lips for Iowa. The kid is just amazing. His hands are, if you get, if you get a ball anywhere in the same zip code as him, he's going to catch the ball. <laughs> the, one, the one kind of question mark that I've had for this team that I have, uh, I have faith that he'll get better. I think that he's, he's had a very interesting start to the season. He still, he still shows a little bit uh, in the pocket. Is our or shows a little bit of weakness in the pocket. That is our QB Spencer Petrus. He has kind of shown himself to you know be a little bit inaccurate, but the kid is also a true sophomore. I have high hopes going forward that he's actually going to be able to, uh, by the time he becomes a senior, be you know somewhere on along the levels of maybe a Ricky Stanzi or even better like a, a Christensen or uh, even someone that we had last year with CJ Beathard. So moving forward, um, so the next game you wanted me to, or I'm sorry, what was the next bowl you wanted me to cover? I don't want to spend too much time on that. I felt like it might be masturbatory. Uh, <laughs> um, the next one is going to be um, your your secondary team, uh, Alamo Bowl, uh, Valero Alamo Bowl, number 20, Texas against former Big yes. 12 conference mate, Colorado. Yep. So yeah, previous previous that would be a previous big uh, big eight conference. Uh, so that uh, we were mentioning the big, you know, some some big names, so Nebraska, uh, Texas, and uh, obviously Colorado. So Colorado and Nebraska used to have that uh, massive massive rivalry back when the days of the big eight. Um, so that is going to be an interesting game. I honestly haven't watched too much Colorado this season. Texas has been kind of a whirlwind as well, though. Um, unfortunately, very underwhelming, and it's been one one of the teams that has struggled a lot with you know these very high expectations, especially after getting rid of uh, Mac Brown. Um, we've we've kind of gone coach to coach to coach and had you know pre- pretty mediocre success. It almost hurts a little bit to see him doing so well at North Carolina uh, after all these years. So, uh, Allison, I think I heard you maybe pipe up for a second. Oh no, I was just laughing at Tom Herman. Because it makes me happy. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's a little it's a little bit of a Schadenfreude coming from uh, the Houston fan in the room uh, looking at Tom Herman. And it's 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 a really it's a really weird beast. I mean, honestly, anyone coming into Texas is going to have their hands full. You know, I you know maybe this is this is a real hot and potentially shit take, but I I, I still tend to think that even someone uh, like a Nick Saban or an Urban Meyer, which was the that was the the hot rumor a couple weeks ago, was uh, him potentially coming to Texas, which is definitely not going to happen. Um, but were one of those like wild scenarios ever to come true with one of those guys coming to Texas, my shit take is even they would have some trouble. Um, balancing some of the expectations that the Texas program is going to have almost immediately for a brand new coach. And you know, it's, it really is going to depend on a lot of things. And at the end of the day, uh, it, is a, it is a really tough team and a really tough culture uh, to be successful in. As far as the game, uh, the, the actual Alamo Bowl, first of all, 
if if none of you have ever been, uh, Allison might be the only one who's uh, been uh, just based on proximity. Um, if you have never been to the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio, highly, highly recommend it. It is a awesome stadium. San Antonio is really cool. It's right downtown, close to the Riverwalk. So I, I love San Antonio. Yeah, if you can't have fun at the Alamo Bowl, you don't like fun, and that's okay. Yeah. San Antonio is <laughs> no, a it, great. No, it's not city. okay if you don't like fun. For real, you know. I, I, I'll, I'll just put that out. You, you absolutely cannot. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have fun in San Antonio, you're just, you're just doing it wrong. Um, Not as great as El Paso, so, Texas, but you know. Uh, so, you guys don't know. There's a running gag uh, for us. I'm sorry, what? There's, uh, if you guys don't know, there's a running theme across our show. I love the city of El Paso, Texas. It is one of my favorite cities in America, and I just love it. I just love El Paso, Texas. It's my favorite city in texas right now although san antonio is a close second because man what that river walk is just beautiful that is the first time i've ever heard anybody say something positive about el paso really when i asked el paso <laughs> residents oh man oh. <laughs> the best parts of el paso are cattleman steakhouse yeah the best parts about el paso cattleman steakhouse Men's Health 2011 Steakhouse of the Year, um, <laughs> sunset, which can be achieved at Cattleman Steakhouse, and getting margaritas at Juan and Lefty's at the airport before you leave El Paso. <laughs> okay. All right. Well. And catching hey. an 0-12 UTEP game. <laughs> Go Miners, baby. You know, I, I won't even lie, I absolutely love that take. Yeah. You know, can I just um, say something regarding the game real quick? about the Texas-Colorado game? Absolutely, go ahead. You know, I, I on paper, this looks like just the Texas beatdown of Colorado, but I um, I get a lot of crap from American uh, from American conference fans here, um, AAC, AAC, AAC fans here about this. I'm a big Pac-12 guy, and I've had a take that the Pac-12 has uh, recently been one of the more balanced conferences in the country. It's not as top heavy as, you know, say the SEC or the Big Ten. Um, and I think Colorado is going to give Texas a game. If there was one matchup that I would put on kind of an upset alert, I would have Colorado taking this game against Texas in a close one. And I say that just because, number one, of how balanced Colorado is on both sides of the ball. Uh, they've got a – they've got a, a – Stellar run game. They, they, they're closing in on a thousand yard rusher in just five games that this guy has played. And I think that Texas is going to have its hands full trying to shut that run game down. And the thing about it is they're a difficult team to make one dimensional that, that you, that you see has been the, the Achilles heel of so many teams, especially like a team like Boise, you make them one dimensional, you beat them. So, you know, I look, I'm looking at the last few games of Colorado, which I, I watch, I watch a lot of Pac-12 football because I, I live on the West Coast. But, I mean, they beat a very good UCLA team. They beat a, I, I think, a better than their record represents Stanford team. So, it's, you know, I, I, this is one game I would put on upset watch for me because I, I, I'm uncertain Texas is probably heavily favored in the game. But I think Colorado is going to make it interesting. I do. Uh, I agree. And, you know, so you're right that uh, so at least ESPN predicts a more than 80 percent chance uh, that Texas will win. But I, I am actually completely with you that Colorado uh, could be a potential dark horse here. 
Um, and it's for almost exactly the reasons that you brought up. So UCLA is UCLA and Stanford are certainly a lot better than their records would indicate. I'm typically the kind of person who, um, you know, maybe another shit take is that I, I generally regard the Pac-12 as kind of a, you know, so-so conference, um, mostly because, you know, they, you know, they're, they're relatively invisible uh, from a lot of the rest of the teams in the country, um, mostly based on proximity, but also just because it, it honestly feels like every once in a while, you just kind of hear of like, oh, USC or Oregon is kind of coming out of the woodwork. And for the past couple of years in Washington, um, you know, you, you don't often hear teams like Arizona, Arizona State, um, you know, kind of coming into uh, the real limelight. Um, and I mean, I guess the same can be said about some of the other smaller teams in the Big Ten, the ACC, things like that. But also, again, based on proximity, the rest of the uh, teams are just going to be uh, there for, you know, just because you're aware of them, you've been to that area. Um, yeah. But you're, one of the things that I wanted to bring up that you, uh, you also touched on was the fact that despite Texas playing nine games and being six and three, Colorado has only played five. Um, not only that, but their, so their one loss was probably the biggest point margin. I'm actually double-checking my math here. The loss was the, was the largest point margin in a finished game that they have had this season, and it was only by 17 points. So the, the rest of their games have been pretty close, and yeah. they've been able to absolutely play to a lot of their opponents, uh, as we've, uh, you know, just to digress back to UCLA and Stanford. Playing up to their opponents is, gonna, is something that they have as a strength, and Texas is very much a teetering type of program. Um, they have their uh, pretty good uh, marquee wins, like the one over Oklahoma State. Um, they've got uh, number 10 Iowa State within three points. Um, and, you know, they really haven't beat down on that, on, you know, pretty much anyone else besides UTEP, you know, to kind of call back to the uh, El Paso uh, conversation we were just having. So I think Texas is definitely in a position to, you know, maybe think a little much about the fact that they're number 20 and not about the fact that Colorado could absolutely show up and smack them in the mouth. And that's very Texas, by the way. I want to point that it, out. It is 100% Texas. Texas. Um, you know, I, as, as a Texas fan, I'm here to tell you that it's like we – we have so much of a reputation for thinking of ourselves as such a great team. And, it, you know, admittedly, Texas is never a team to be underestimated. Um, but at the same time, there, there's sometimes too much of that going on that we, we, ha we have so much of a chip on our shoulder that we don't realize the trap games until we are already about to lose. Sh uh, shout out to Kansas. Shout out to TCU, pretty much any other team that can catch us on an off year and just absolutely embarrass us because yeah. we just couldn't get our heads out of our asses. I, I can definitely see that for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I think that covers. OK, got it. Hold on. I'm just checking my my notes here. So I was going to I was going to message all of you uh, individually, but I figure since I have everyone, you know, we're probably going to run past our our normal end time, which is nine Eastern, eight Central, seven Mountain, six yeah. Pacific. What else, man? Um, it's it's our bonus episode. Let's do it. But if if y'all need to leave, I know uh, Lucas needs to leave. But thank you, Lucas, for coming on. We always appreciate you. And in your words, your shit takes. But if you, I, if I do my best to give garbage shit takes. And uh, you know, if I can just make them entertaining, that's all that matters. It was a sincere pleasure, y'all. And uh, good luck on the rest of the uh, on the rest of the show. Thank, Thank you, sir. Lucas. Thank you.
I am going to step away myself. Um, I promised my daughter I'd take her down to the harbor to see lights. And it's finally getting dark here. Please shoot. Go, go. Enjoy. Go, go. But um, I, I sincerely thank you for having me on. I always love to talk college football, sports in general. Um, you know, you, you ever need a last-minute guest, please don't ever hesitate to reach out to me. I really appreciate this time, guys. You got it. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great one. You too. Bye. So, uh, Brendan, Allison, I'm not sure if you guys need to go, but we, we'd love to have you on to kind of wrap up the show a little bit more. Can we uh, go? I lock the dogs out. I, I want to be on this call as long as I can. <laughs> okay. So, I guess now it's, it's time to move on to the... Can we do Gottlieb's goons? I think it's time. Yeah. It's, this is going to be... Okay, so... One of our running segments is called Gottlieb's Goons. Um, not sure if you guys recall, but a few months ago, uh, Doug Gottlieb got into a little bit of hot water for... I don't remember what exactly. Um, <laughs> there are several things, but uh, I can't exactly... It's something about... It might have something to do with somebody's child not playing. I have no idea. He's had some really awful takes. He, there was one thing that he said I can't, I can't remember. I don't know. Um, I can't remember anymore, but he's an eternal goon. It's our segment called Gottlieb's Goons, where we... It's the opposite of the real MVP, where we call out people in the world of sports for just being awful over that week. And, uh, you know, it's usually uh, we have our Hall of Fame, you know, like Rob Manfred, Roger Goodell. They're usually up there. And uh, Doug Gottlieb. <laughs> So, this is where we rave and rant about people in and around sports, and Andrew has one that I think y'all can agree with, and, and I also am in agreement with you guys. Go ahead, Andrew. And actually, I'm looking at it, it was about um, Andrew Luck's retirement. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's been so long. Sheesh. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a year since he's been our, go- our namesake, but... My Gottlieb goon is, of course, the college football playoff committee. It's time for it's time for a rant, ladies and gents. All right, so bear with me. Um, I'm this is kind of some catharsis. I'm I'm gonna let a rip here. Uh, well, first off, to I've said this probably a million times on Twitter, but to Cincinnati and Coastal fans. Welcome to the club. We have refreshments. We we dealt with this shit in 2017. We dealt with this shit in 2018. No one believed us. Well, one of the other mods pointed out that there were some people who believed us, but now people are really believing us uh, when we say that the system is broken. It's it, we've been calling it an invitational since 2017. And people are finally coming around to seeing that it's basically an invitational for six teams. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. You can sprinkle in a couple of other teams here and there, but for the most part, it's those four. Yeah, some days Oklahoma gets to be special, but, you know, it's their, you know, consolation prize. Hey, you did so good. Here's your beat down from Bama. Exactly. And then the one year they actually made it close 
they lost an OT to Georgia, who then lost an OT to Alabama. So, you know, you know, good for you, Oklahoma. You 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 tried, but what was pretty much everyone who has any sort of a passing knowledge of the committee knew that Cincinnati was not going to be in the top four. <laughs> and most people were pretty sure that somehow Notre Dame, despite the fact that they got their asses handed to them by Clemson, and it, 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 it has to be said, Notre Dame did win earlier this year against Clemson, but it was without their star quarterback and Probable number one pick to, at this point, Jacksonville, uh, Trevor Lawrence, because he was out due to having contracted the Rona. Oh, and Allison, I'm not sure if I mentioned this when you came on air, but um, although I think Matt, uh, I think Matt kind of broke it anyway, but YouTube is not a fan of us, of people saying, this is when you put up Fred Rank. Uh, Francisco, I'm sending over something to the, to the Ooh, chat really quick. Indeed. One of our, well, Freddie, he has his own proprietary blend of a poll, and I keep telling him that he needs to do the college, uh, the Reddit CFB poll, but he comes up with his own proprietary blend poll, um, which actually is pretty decent, I'll be honest. But anyway, they lost in, they, they beat Clemson in, I want to say double overtime? without Trevor Lawrence and then the true Notre Dame showed up here that really the only reason they won that game is because there was no Trevor Lawrence but yet somehow they still were able to get into the playoff over arguably certainly a more anybody. deserving certainly they a more got into yeah. the playoff over literally anybody else yeah my heart broke I really wanted the Aggies to get their year Yes, I, I, they and I was like, "All right, guys, let's be number four. You know how the A and M season ends. You do really well. You're on a nice roller coaster, and then Bama comes and ruins it." I was like, "This is beautiful. This is exactly what I've always wanted." <laughs> I love the <laughs> My heart was broken. Not even going to lie. But I think what surprised a lot of people, including myself, who I don't know why, for some stupid reason, I had this tiny iota of belief that Cincinnati might make it into the top four. Again, I don't know why. I really do not know why. And I certainly had more of an iota that um, Tam Yu might be the, the number four team. But again, I know these people way too well. They are so predictable. Uh, they're more predictable than a Christmas movie. That's harsh. That's hard. I love, I love Christmas movies. This is they the are time. predictable and formulaic, and that's exactly why I love them. That is, a, I never watched Christmas movies before this year, but hot damn, they are fun to watch. They are totally predictable, but they are so fun to watch. But yes, the the college football playoff committee are a really shitty version of the Christmas movie. Christmas <laughs> <laughs> movie in that they're. So predictable, uh, and it's a bunch of white guys. But yeah, CFP committee, it, it's it's honestly sad. I mean, I envy the CFB gods do not want me to speak poorly of them. <laughs> that and, the, and then BU says that and the fact that they all star, star the same actress for some unknown reason. 
Um, Francisco, did you get the Fred rank? Hold on, let me let me get the higher res version. While I'm doing this, Allison, do you want to rant? Um, I mean, with the CFP playoffs, it's just I think in a season that has been so difficult for fans to stay engaged in. I think this was the year to try something new, to look at the eye test and really evaluate because you've got a whole mix of teams. Uh, Ohio State, I don't care how well they did. You played six games. No. To me, that spot should have gone to, I don't know, anybody else more deserving. It's nothing against my opinions on Ohio State. I just feel that it's ultimately a disservice to the teams who were able to play closer to a full schedule in there. But no... In a time of chaos, in a time of crisis, thank you, CFP, for giving us the comfort of yet another playoff game that while I will watch all of them, I know the plot line. I really wanted this year and so much of the plots to really have something interesting, to have something to look forward to as we go into 20 and 21. Nah, more of the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's like, a very, um, just, to, just to chime in here now, of course, I... Went to a Power 5 school, Florida State, and all that stuff. So, you know, but I see you Are they guys. really Power 5, though? Are they really? I, once again, every every 15 years, we are. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you know, it is, it, it's, su- it's such a, I always try and compare it to, like, the NBA. Because a lot of people think the NBA is very predictable. I'm sure, um, Brendan, you know, you, you probably hear that as well. I mean, you, you cover the Pacers. But I do. But so it's like okay. I'm not on Andrew's phone. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. You yeah. all the time. That the NBA is predictable. Exactly. So 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 uh, you always get the okay. We're gonna get the loss. And when, when the bubble happened, it's like okay. The Lakers. Meanwhile, will just stamp in their their appearance in the NBA finals. We thought it was gonna be okay. Lakers versus Bucks. That's what it's gonna be. In the end, or oh, okay, Lakers versus Celtics. The Bucks choked again. That that's oh, we get another Lakers Celtics matchup. But then the bubble created something different because of the atmosphere of it. The Miami Heat pop out. They were perfect for the bubble. They were a they were basically yeah the, the dark horse, the wild card uh, of of the NBA bubble. And it's like wow, this made things way more exciting for everybody because they were just taking down the Eastern Conference favorites uh, in Boston and Milwaukee, and, and they and they found a way to pull through. It took the Lakers to six games. Uh, if it, you know if Goron didn't get injured, Bam didn't get injured, who knows? Maybe a seven game series at the uh, possibly. But regardless. That's what happened there. The NHL, the same thing. They had their bubble, NHL playoffs, hockey playoffs, best playoff in you know all of sports because of the just the extremeness of it all. So there was some surprise there. Even Major League Baseball had surprises. My Miami Marlins made the freaking playoffs. I, I sure it took a pandemic to do it, but hey, seventeen years gone, and it seemed like all right, college football. Now it's your turn. You can do something different this year. All right, you don't have to. Nothing's ordinary this year. Nothing's normal. All right, give us, give us something new. Give us, don't, don't give us the predictable uh, stuff. All right, don't give us Call of Duty Forty Nine and Assassin's Creed, whatever the hell. All right, just, just give us something new. And it's like, nah, I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> I don't care about your feelings. I just care about money. I just care about money. Yeah, and, and that, that totally makes sense. And nobody wants to watch Alabama Clemson Part Nine. Because that's most likely what it's going to be, and my my kind of take 
dovetailing off of it is if we're going to get Alabama, Alabama Clemson part nine, I just want the committee to stop lying. I want them to just say, Hey, a G five or a group of five is never, ever going to touch any of the top four playoff spots. So have fun playing your meaningless football games. That's all I want. I don't want, and to put an official goon, not just the committee, to put an official goon, uh, I wish Lucas was here for this, but Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barca, ah. or whoever, who's going to be the chair, is the number one goon. You know why? Because he, he came out with the most asinine statement today, or yesterday, when he was trying to de- de- defend the committee's decision, where he said, uh, where a, a reporter asked him, well, how will a group of five uh, ever get into the playoffs? And he said, well, they should do what BYU did and schedule six power five conference teams. Let me tell you something, Jerry, okay? You are not going to let any G5 school have a 15-game regular season. You know why? How many, how many conference games do uh, any, does any school normally play? Eight? Nine? So where are the six Power Five teams going to come from? And by the way, BYU is an independent, not even in a group of five. So you're comparing an independent now to a group of five school. And which which six Power Five schools are ever going to say, yeah, this good group of five school might be able to beat us. Let's sign up and play a game with them. And so this whole idea that a group of five may or may not ever get to a top four spot, just tell us that any group of five team is not going to That's all I want, is you to just say, look, the group of five, unfortunately, with a four-team playoff, is never going to get a spot. Don't make up rules. Don't move goalposts. Don't say, well, if Houston did this in 2016 or whatever it was, Oh, well, if UCF did this, we already see, we already saw UCF do it. We saw UCF win 25 games in a row, two straight seasons, and they still didn't put them in at four. And you put two lost teams, you put three lost teams, you put an undefeated Coastal Carolina team underneath Iowa State, and they had a common opponent in Louisiana. And Louisiana beat Iowa State. So just stop lying. That's all I want. That's my rant. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Indeed. It's Yeah, it's Yeah. It defies I don't want to say it defies logic because so, it makes so sense. All right, so let me let me uh I guess we do have to play like devil's advocate because you have fans. You have fans. You have that that section of fans from Power Five conference schools, from the big, at least the ones that are good, that are, of course, like, they make the argument, well, then the regular season doesn't matter. What's the point of having an expanded playoff or any of this other stuff? And it's like, dude, all the other sports are doing it. All the other sports do it. FCS does it. Why can't it be the same here? Why can't it be the same here? Why does college football never seems like, okay, you have a champion and there's no, like, 2017, yeah, UCF won a national championship, and then uh, who was it? Clemson or Alabama, I don't remember anymore. But they have the other championship. How can you have two? How can you have two? Why can't we settle this like every other sport and every other college uh, does it? Why can't it be that way? I don't know. 
Sheesh. There's money. Money. Why not money? There's more money. Bracket already. Well, actually, FCS is 24. And yeah, sure, it's 24. And of course, North Dakota State and all of your top ones win every year. But the 24 seed still has a chance. And that's what everybody wants. And the other thing Mm -hmm. is, there's already precedent at the major basketball level or major college level for allowing little, little teams in March Madness. Correct. Yeah. Love when UMBC, I don't want to say killed, but when UMBC took it to number one seed Virginia. Oh my God! Everyone just loved it. The entire narrative that came out of that. Several teams, (laughs) Florida Gulf Coast in 2015 when they did the Dunk City thing, and then following Sister Jean at Loyola Chicago when they made it to all the way to Final Four, I think. Look at at Butler. Creates stories. Alabama Clemson Part Six has is done. Yeah, it is. Nobody wants to watch that game. No, no, it was. It's almost like uh, I mean, people said the predictability. Then Lakers or not Lakers, Cavs versus Warriors. We had that for four straight years, <laughs> four straight years, and it got old. Uh, that as soon as KD got there, it was like, okay, you might as well just hand it to them. And at that point, you probably should have because that's how it ended up for, in those last two of the uh, the back end of those uh, of those series. It predictability is boring. It really is. Like, we all... It's sports... Okay, sports... It's good to have those big bad guys, you know, the New York Yankees, the Los Angeles Lakers, all right? Those teams that are like, they're always there and they're always the big bad, you know, evil empire, what what have you. It's nice having that. But it's also... You need the David to the Goliath. You need it. And there's none here. There's... I don't... Clubs is not a David... Alabama's not a David. They're all Goliaths. Except for Notre Dame. I don't even know what the hell you can call them. <laughs> Alabama's punching by a bag. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess they're the David in this, but, you know, this is still David on steroids. <laughs> yeah, a David that has the most national championships in college football history. Yeah, that that's, that's fun for everyone to see. All right, but Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati, people would have tuned in. People would have tuned in, even if, even in like, like, okay, first quarter, what if they're getting blown out? Fine. But they got there. People would have watched it at the very least. But unless, unless a meteor strikes the Alabama football team, I don't know if Notre Dame even has a shot. And we, and I almost forgot to mention San Jose State, also undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and college football. This is this is some some of the reason why I can't really get into it to be honest sometimes like it's because it's like what's the point of all this? I go to some whatever bowl game in the middle of nowhere sponsored by some guy's uncle and and that's it. That's I have no other shot. I have no chance to aspire to a championship. It frustrates me. Okay, I know Florida State has won their stuff. It's in my lifetime. I'm happy about it. But for you know, people, I mean, you guys, that sucks. It really sucks. It really sucks. 
Are we just like having something to be mad about? Yeah. <laughs> it's that, the collective. Uh, we are part of something. And, <laughs> yeah, like we're we're not going to the championship for Houston. We're not going to any kind of anything anytime soon until I don't know. But the fact that and I will say this during Levine's last season to be part of, I don't know, the entire lower bowl chanting fire Travis Bush, that belonging. And this year's been so topsy turvy. Like I'll admit I've had a harder time engaging with this football season than I did any football season when I was a road warrior on the road, 42 weeks a year. Yeah. I mean, this has been a hard year and I, with you guys like, yeah, but Chanticleer is like, I've watched most of their games, which is very strange because I watched relatively few Houston games. We watched all of Indiana's games. That was just, a fun ride. Oh, yes. Mm. But, I mean, that's what I think people want, is especially when a lot of people are staying home. We want something different, something unique, something we didn't expect to see. So the most unexpected result's going to be Ohio State and Notre Dame. <laughs> every, yeah, every professional league, we, they all, the Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, even the NFL – have changed up their playoff system to account for the insanity that was this year. All of them have. It seemed like this would be the perfect time to do this. Even just as an experimentation, why not? Just try it. I mean, those guys aren't getting paid, right? You can make them do anything. So, <laughs> why not? Come on. Let, put, throw Florida State in there. See what happens. I want to see them get killed. Let's go. <laughs> how, how, let's, how, triple digits. Let's see. <laughs> Francisco, do you recall the last time that Florida State was in the college football playoff? Yeah, Marcus Mariota in Oregon and blah. <laughs> so one of the one of the greatest plays in sports history, not just college football, sports history, was I enjoyed James the year Wins- before that. So <laughs> his elegant fumble, his play of the fumble video, his Jameis Winston oh, tripping, fumbling the ball. And immediately, I haven't said this I, in forever I, I, since Jameis, uh, you know, got drafted. But damn it, Jameis! <laughs> and, and it off. I don't know what Jameis did. He used like like the force push or whatever, and knocked down the referee. <laughs> Let's see. Do it. Okay. Well, do you, any, well any now other... that we finished, yeah. well, now that we finished ranting about the CFP, let's talk about the New Year's Six games. Yay. I was more excited about those. Not going to lie. <laughs> well, let's let's roll down the list in chronological order, I suppose. Let us begin. Hey, we were discussing Oklahoma. Let's talk about them now. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, number six, Oklahoma, which, sorry, one more thing. How in the hell was Oklahoma ranked above Cincinnati? I think that's what surprised me most. I was expecting, all right, Texas A&M is going to be five, and then Cincinnati was going to be six. Cincinnati was eighth. Can't get that close. You see, you get two teams have COVID, and, you know, Cincinnati's magically in the playoffs. Can't have that happen. (laughs) Why am I laughing? That's not a good thing to laugh at. But it's true. Oh, man. So, 
Oklahoma, Florida rematch of I want to say the 2008 national championship game. Seems like it, uh, but sure. Yeah, that would. Yeah, all those State. national championship games, Oklahoma keeps losing, except for that one against Florida State. But sure. <laughs> hey, at least Stoops won one. Well, yeah, so yeah, 06, Florida won two championships in three years. I remember because I lived here and had to deal with all the insufferable Walmart fans. Oh, God. Brendan, I'm, I imagine that you did as well. The Walmart yeah. fans. Can we get a consensus that the Florida Gators fans are the worst in the state of Florida? Can we get a consensus about that? Oh, yeah. By far. Anybody anybody who lived in Florida immediately bought an orange and blue t-shirt regardless of affiliation. That's exactly what happened. Like, they're the worst. They're the absolute worst of, of, of all the fan bases. Like, Miami fans are delusional, and I always love when they always think the U is back and then... You know, something horrible happened. It's like <laughs> the U's been dead since 2003, and Ohio State killed them. So uh, there's that. Uh, you guys have your thing with USF because they think they have a rivalry with you guys, but it isn't. So there's that. Well, we can save that for another show because that's a whole different discussion. All right. Well, like, consensus: the Gators fans and and all they all suck. So all right, there you go. Uh, but, but yeah, in 06 and 08, you know, I didn't really care that much about CFB at the time, uh, but the high school, I was in high school at the time and the high schoolers who, I don't know where the hell is like, oh my God, they're, they're Gator fans. They never mentioned anything before. I was like, they were so insufferable and my Adding to the fact that my family lived in Tallahassee and I grew up as a Florida State fan, experiencing those those three years with all of the Gator fans, I'm doing air quotes here, it just built the hatred. It was it was burning deep down inside that I really do not like this fan base. And that was well before I took any sort of extended interest in college football. Uh, but anyway, so... Yes, if my memory serves, this is a rematch of the 2008 National Championship. You've got... Oh, Brendan's heading off. Yes, thank you. Uh, sorry about that. I actually have to go. Um, but thank you all so much for another uh, great time on your podcast. And anytime you need me, I'm available. Thank you oh, very much. Thank you, Brendan. Brendan. We'll call on you once the NBA season starts this week. Sure ahead. The NBA season starts this week, so we'll be calling upon you in the future. Oh, yeah, it'll be fun. I'll be, uh, I'll be looking out for it. Thank you. All right. Good night. All right. Good night. Allison, you're still hanging with us? I am still hanging. Um, it's very nice. Um, I am like doing a, you know, podcast about football and, um, my fiance's cooking dinner. Uh, Total world reversal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This this is our show. I mean, this is, uh, we have our segments. Well, this is not a normal show. This is a lot different. We usually have breaks in between, but we have a segment called a word from our non-sponsors where we just, we just, we promote things that aren't paying us, but we just want to promote them. We have a Mm. segment called you go girl where we highlight women in sports. Uh, let's let's haul y'all where we highlight a hall of famer. Players we remember to forget where I go on baseball reference or basketball reference or football reference and just find a random guy that nobody remembers ever played. I actually had one for today. So hold on. Before I do that, let's let's I actually planned one out. It's it's very short, 
very quick and it, it, I just hit the random button on uh, on uh, I think college football reference uh, his name oh gosh his and I can be, there's nothing on this guy but his name is Jay Zos J A so J J A Y his last name is Zos X O S so that's his name he played at San Diego State in 2000 played in 11 games had one return for six yards, and that was his entire college career. War number 19. And he is, this is the only unique thing that I could find on this. He is one of only three college football players with a last name that starts with the letter X. <laughs> so, Jay Zos, wherever you are, dude. God, they don't even have your date of birth on here. Usually they have that at least. Wherever you are. Hopefully you're you're fine. You stayed safe during the virus, and uh, we remember you, dude. We'll forget you as soon as we're done with this, but we'll remember you. So, you made it to college football, uh, which is more than what I can say for myself and a lot of people on Twitter for sure. So, there yeah. you go. All right. So I got that in. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, actually, um, while we're, while you briefly mentioned um, you go girl. Uh, Francisco here, he's usually the ones that, uh, one that come, uh, comes up with the subject of these. And mm -hmm. I swear this man is Nostradamus because probably a month or so, maybe a little bit sooner or later, I don't remember. I'm going to, I'm going to split the middle and say a month, a month before. Oh, Kim Ang. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I highlighted Kim Ang. Uh, because she was like high up in Major League Baseball, and I thought she was on track to like you know go maybe be a commissioner or something in the future, but lo mm -hmm. and behold, she becomes the first female GM in any of the four major pro North American sports uh, with my beloved Miami Marlins, and uh, it, I didn't have any inkling. I didn't know our Lord and Savior Derek Jeter. That's another thing on our on our show. Uh, <laughs> our Lord and Savior Derek Jeter would. Uh, would would uh would call upon her to uh lead the fish to the promised land uh but it happened mm -hmm. and that was pretty cool to see so and of course uh i think last episode we highlighted sarah fuller because yeah <laughs> it was yeah. Only natural so yeah I, I just find women in all sports whether even their executives or uh or uh the woman who's the the head of the nba players association uh, mm -hmm. just you know uh, I doubt many people talk about it in mainstream media. That's why we have this show. That's why I created it because ESPN just talks about LeBron and Alabama and and uh, and the NFL. That's all they talk about, and I just got sick of it. And I don't watch Sports Center because of it. So <laughs> yeah. I wanted to make well, it feel better. That's yeah. the same reason I don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, hey, let's. If they're not going to do it, why not us? Why not us? So this is the Marianas Trench. Of sports media, I get it, but eventually the big guys do want to come down and see us, like James Cameron. So we're all good here. All right. Okay, so let's let's get through the home stretch here, Andrew. We're at the last few games, and uh, we're we're getting we're running up. Wow, we have not we've we we have never had a three hour show, so we're we're getting close to that. So let's go. So number six, Oklahoma, eight and two. Number seven, Florida, eight and three. I mean, in theory, it should be a fun game. Um, you know, just just going by name recognition, but 
I don't know. I, I'm I, pretty I, sure I know how this game ends, but I still want to watch it. Like, I'm pretty sure Florida's going to take Oklahoma out back, but who knows? I mean, all I'm hoping for is that we have another cleat throw or something. <laughs> wasn't, um, wasn't he uh, on Urinating Trees? Wasn't he the lol cow of the week? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he he's in back-to-back years, an SEC team, one of their players has some dumbass penalty that ends up really costing them the game, a game that they should have won. Last year, of course, or 2019, of course, was the um, uh, old piss. <laughs> uh, um, and, yeah. and actually, Francisco's brother-in-law is an MSU graduate. Oh, that was beautiful, man. It was beautiful to watch when that happened. <laughs> 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 I like I had I had no dog in the race. Of course, I wanted Mississippi State to win, uh, but I was like, "This is magical." <laughs> I love rivalries. Yeah, and then of course you've got um, I don't know who it was, but um, one of our there's a there's a select crew of the mods that has access to the Twitter account. So any of the funny stuff that you see comes from one of them. And someone, de- uh, de- one of them declared this year, the, F- uh, the UF guy called it the cleat yeet. <laughs> yeah. I love and it. So we have old piss and the cleat yeet. And it's, it's amazing. And I love it. Um, so I don't know. Allison says uh, UF is going to take Oklahoma out back. Um, I'm not sure where to go on this one because at times Oklahoma has looked really good and then they decide to lose to... What was it? Who are their losses? Iowa State. Iowa State. They lost the second game. Who else did they lose to? Did they beat OSU? They beat OSU. Let's see. I'm looking right now. Because the other one they lost, you know. Really, Francisco? Oh, Kansas State. Kansas ah, State. Yes. <laughs> I remember this now. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, what, you, what, what, what did you notice, Andrew? <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm very annoyed with you putting up, I think, number five FSU against the Golden Knights. Uh, Why cir- would you- circa 2001. Yeah, FSU or whatever. Yeah, because he doesn't want to put the 2015 Peach Bowl on. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, I don't blame you. Uh, uh, just give me this, Andrew. All right, I've had All a rough right. 2020 with the, with the Seminoles. Come at on, least now. We're pl- at least we're playing in the Citrus Bowl, so I'll give you that. All right. Um, I guess we so... can move on to the next game. Let's let's wrap, we got five more, and, and we'll wrap this up. Yeah. So next up, we have it's rolling down Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, number nine Georgia, number eight Cincinnati. Cincinnati, of course, nine and zero. Georgia seven and two. I They're hope lost. Cincinnati beats the pants out of Georgia. I Same here. I want I want there to be no doubt mm-hmm. that Cincinnati 
because Georgia, who were their losses? Alabama and not Auburn. Auburn sucked this year. By the way, all right, Georgia. Georgia needs to continue their suffering for this year. Florida. All it was right. Florida, right? Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I had to check. The state of bias, Georgia in general. All right. Bias. <laughs> bias me wants to say Cincinnati is going to win, and honestly, I think analytical me is going to say Cincinnati is going. It's going to be close. It. I think. I think it'll. I think it'll end up being a similar game to UCF against uh, Auburn back in 2018. Kind of a mid-scoring game uh, that one ended 34-27. You know, Cincinnati is much more of the offensive juggernaut than Georgia, but I don't know. I think it'll come down to maybe two or three stops. Uh, of an offense, if Georgia can manage Cincinnati just a little bit, uh, I think they'll take it. But uh, I don't know. My 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 gut is telling me that Cincinnati is going to win. I hope so, man. I really do. I think, I think it, it, it everybody would be, wants. It'd be as close as they can be. Like you, you really should have put us in the playoff, especially if they beat the Pats out of Georgia and Notre Dame just gets absolutely destroyed by Alabama. It's like, come on, guys. We we could have at least put up a show, you know. That's yeah. Is it, anything you want to want to say, Allison? I think I'm a, just an agreement. Like, I just want Cincinnati to make the statement that CFP. I know this is the way you guys run things. You know, we were going to go with your money makers, but you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. All right. Next. Next up, um, that is definitely a game that I'm going to be watching, for sure. Fiesta Bowl, number 25, Oregon, number 10, Iowa State. The Scalpers Fiesta Bowl, because nobody can find a PS5 without paying a scalper. <laughs> so, not that I want one. I got a game, PC, and a Switch. But for those of you out there, good luck. You probably should wait anyways, because there's a bunch of bugs and stuff. But And who the hell wants to play Cyberpunk 2077, really? <laughs> it's not a good game. <laughs> All right, that's an aside. I don't have much else to say, Andrew. You know me. So, yeah. it and that's it. If not, well, Oregon is very, very interesting. They were not supposed to be in this position. But what happened was Washington won the North Division of the Pac 12, but then pulled out of the Pac-12 title game against USC and then followed that up by pulling out of a bowl game because they got loaded down with CV cases. So Oregon slotted in as the replacement and upset Oregon. <laughs> what is that, Freddie? Oregon is the Gerald Ford of the New York Six. <laughs> Uh, Gerald Ford came in as the replacement for Nixon. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. Um, so, and then in a surprise twist, Oregon actually won over a much higher ranked USC team. So, as a result, they get the Fiesta Bowl. Bit. Interesting as hell, especially considering that uh, Colorado was undefeated, but they didn't even get a chance to play in the game. 
but yeah, so anyway, Fiesta Bowl, 25 Oregon, 10 Iowa State. I got it just from what I'm going on, I have to give it to, uh, to Iowa State. I mean, um, I don't know what I just, my gut is telling me that, oh, I mean, Iowa State is very, is overranked. I think they should be below Coastal. And honestly, I think they should be below Louisiana, too. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, I still think that they're a better team than Oregon. Um, you know, despite the fact that they had a few losses more than Oregon, I don't know. Something tells me that they're gonna they're gonna win this one. Don't let uh, MC uh, let me say uh, hear me say that though. MC is another mod who's an Oregon fan. Mm-hmm. What say you? I have no other. You know me, man. I don't have no other opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now we move on. All right, moving on. Orange Bowl. I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed in how this this matchup came out because for the longest time, all the projections were saying it was going to be Florida Miami in the Orange Bowl, and God, that would have been a great game. That would have been a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A a literal home game for Miami and a bona fide home game for Florida. That would be as about as close to a 50-50 crowd at, just in a regular year. Let's let's take this out of this weird year. But if that were to happen in a regular year, oh, that would have been beautiful. Yeah, there would have been 30K on both sides. <laughs> exactly. And it would have been loud as hell. That that would have been a game to that would have been a sight to behold. Even a reduced capacity one would have been great to see because even though they don't play each other that much, those two teams really do not like each other. By the way, if anyone is listening, Florida, Miami, please agree to like once every four years play each other so we can have a Florida Cup. Please, thank you. We'd appreciate it. Okay. Um, Gators are too scared. A and M number five, North Carolina. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that Texas A and M is going to win this one because, for one, they're eight and one. North Carolina's eight and three. Um, and Texas A and only loss was to the number one seed Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, beat Florida, albeit in overtime, but beat Florida, um, and kept it within the realm of quote-unquote competitive with Alabama as much as you can be competitive with Alabama. Um, yeah, I think a and is going to take this one pretty easily. Um, they're, just, they're just too good. Uh, I think – I really think that they should have been in over if, – if not Cincinnati – over North uh, Notre Dame than Texas A&M. But, and honestly, I would have been happy, even if Cincinnati didn't get in, I would have understood that if they put Texas A&M in over, over Notre Dame, but them makes. Um, care to add anything else, Allison? Uh, first off, I think between 
uh, Clemson and uh, temporarily uh, ACC member Notre Dame, I kind of forgot that like North Carolina was a team and played. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was like, I looked at this and I was like, were they good this year? And I don't know whether I've just struggled to stay like super engaged with teams that aren't doing it or I just paid that much more attention to Texas A&M. But uh, I'm, I'm really interested to watch this game, not because I think North Carolina has a chance, because, I mean, it's the closest we're going to get to Texas and A&M playing, you know, a Mac Brown team versus the Aggies. But I just want to see how, how angry is Texas A&M that they got snubbed. Because, you know what, if there's a conference that's going to get two teams in, it's the SEC. Mm. Just head and shoulders against the other. So this Notre Dame-Clemson, and it's like, really? Really? Both of these teams from this conference? Mm -hmm. Really? So I'm just curious how bad um, A&M is going to beat North Carolina. Yeah. Because that's what's going to happen. Uh, the question is, are they going to be nice or is it going to be a bloodbath? And you don't know yet. And then, saving the best, I guess, for last, we've got the two semifinal games. Uh, the college football playoff semifinal at the, uh, at the which was supposed to be at the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, as uh, Crap, I forget his name. Okay. He's but it, but it's anyway. not going to be played in California. It is not no. going to be played in California, and instead it is going to be played at Jerry World, AT&T Stadium in beautiful, scenic Arlington, Texas. Yay, giant uh, parking lot. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, an already boring game made even more boring by a Admittedly, it is a very high tech and quite beautiful stadium. Couldn't they have put it at the uh, at Globe Life Field, where the the not not the not the new Rangers ballpark, the old one, the old one that they converted to an XFL stadium? Couldn't have they put it there? It would have at least been interesting to see the venue. <laughs> that, that's yeah. a terrible idea. I'm just well, saying. I mean, but... it would be able to fit yeah. hundred thousand people, but still, it's a nicer looking stadium, at least architecturally. Than AT and T certainly mm-hmm. got more uh, character to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, no, no. I mean, the copious amounts of traffic at that game will probably be more exciting than the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Arlington to me is just like gridlock everywhere. Every time I go, I'm like, why do I do this to myself? I don't like Arlington, and it's just Dallas Metroplex is like. I just sit in traffic all the time. Yeah, my brother-in-law lived in Dallas for a few years, for a couple years, really. And he was like, yeah, just no. Just no. <laughs> just no to Dallas. <laughs> and then, as for the the reason that everyone is gathering in the gridlock that is Arlington, number one, Alabama, number four, Notre Dame, I think it's pretty clear that Alabama is going to wipe the floor with Notre Dame, just like they did in 2013. Doggy! Luna. One of them got him, and she's on the patrol. 
Oh, I thought it was Luna on Android. No. no. <laughs> it's one of her uh, her crew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. If you guys want to add something, sure. No. But... I have no, no opinion. I ain't going to watch. I'm just going to be like, all right, let's just give us Clemson versus Alabama again, and then I'll, uh, I'll I don't know. I'll see the score crawl, whatever, on our when I'm doing like a live stream of Rocket League on our channel. I don't know. <laughs> That's all. I mean, unfortunately, I am contractually contractually bound by being an RCFE mod that I have to watch the game. Um, the game has to be on, so I am aware of what is happening. When I am, meanwhile, telling idiots they cannot say that, I do not have to give it my full attention. It's kind of like that scene from uh, the social network. It's you. You have the bare minimum of my attention. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I'm obligated to have it on. I'm not obligated to care. Exactly. Uh, I'll probably listen to like Ricky Martin or something. Look at Ooh. this. Look, look at the magic that the college football playoff could have had. Look, UCF is up seven nothing against this Florida State team that played for a national championship that year. <laughs> See, there you you could have had that insanity, college football. You could have had it. Um, and then I guess we can qu- uh, quickly discuss the other semifinal, All-State Sugar Bowl, Clemson, Ohio State, rematch of last year, which someone pointed out it was kind of interesting. There was a pretty controversial moment in last year's game where same thing I do every night, try to take over the world, kind of like Pinky in the Brain. Yeah. Sorry, Animaniacs <laughs> in the Brain joke. Um, there was a pretty controversial moment where was it a fumble? Was the player down? Was there uh, was there forward motion stopped? We'll never know. But all we know is that the call was in the favor of Clemson, which led in part to their win, but it was close. So it, of the games, that just for that reason and that reason only, that is the most interesting of the two. Um, and the fact that it has the, it has the smaller uh, line of the two uh, – Clemson is only a six-point favorite as opposed to a 17-point favorite for Alabama. Uh, but let's assume – I'm just going to go with it. Clemson's going to win. They're going to face Alabama for the sixth time in like seven or eight years. Um, Alabama will probably win. I, I, do I – I don't know, and honestly, I don't care. Oh, all right. That's fair. See what you're doing to me? See what you're doing to me, committee? I love college football. I run a weekly trivia, and I couldn't care less about these matchups. See what you're doing to me? Yeah. All right. I'm going to watch it, but I don't like it. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah. I don't know. Any closing thoughts, Allison? Any rants, anything you'd like us to mention? I mean, this, anything I guess, for you is to how plug? 2020 ends. <laughs> you have any plugs? Um, any, you know. uh, uh, anything like that? 
follow you on Twitter? That type of thing? Uh, so, like, I I would say follow me on Twitter, but I'm going to be honest. I was like, I need to get a professional Twitter. <laughs> so I could actually put, like, my work stuff on here as well. Mm. And I'm like, ooh. So, no, my Twitter is boring. <laughs> I okay. babysit people on Reddit, you know, in my spare time. I don't even get the hate mail that other people get. Like, I like this anonymity, but yeah, 2020 is going to end just, you know, the way 2020 deserves. Yep. We've got some excitement, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to be in my pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've been for the last nine months. Yeah. Just like, well, something will change one day (laughs) and maybe 21 will give it to me. Maybe 2021 will give me an interesting playoff. Ah, yes. Hopefully, hopefully this will stir enough anger amongst people for it to uh, finally be like, uh, gosh, darn it, man. People are missing the BCS now. I mean, can you believe that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want the BCS back. I mean, if I'm going to plug anything, I do want to just plug out those teams that have been affected by the Hurricanes this year. Um, I grew up in Lake Charles uh, as a child, so McNeese is a very, very special place in my heart. And just kind of keep Lake Charles and all of Southwest Louisiana in your thoughts, especially around this more celebratory time, just because those areas have been forgotten. And especially McNeese State, who in theory should be good. Hopefully they will bring us some magic in the spring. All right. Yeah. yeah, Louisiana is actually Louisiana is a pretty good place, too. I've been uh, not to know. I've been like Alexandria, Louisiana, places like that. And it's like, they got some good food. I'm telling you, man. They got some oh, good food oh, yeah. in Louisiana. I, I went to a gas station in Louisiana. I'm like, this gas station barbecue is fantastic. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I will say, like, we go eat Cajun food in Houston. And my fiance, who, again, he's from, you know, around Rockford, Illinois. Mm. And he's like, this is so good. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is no flavor. So, like, I'm afraid to bring him. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah, I I love him, but uh, now the mayo is spicy in the south. <laughs> All right, well I'm going to do our plugs here to close out the show. All right, folks, yes, you can follow us on pretty much anything and everything. I have put us on every single thing. You, lots of stuff here. You can check out our merch store. We added some new things. Andrew is featured on one of our new T-shirts with our our fire thighs. There, he's looking real good. You guys are gonna like that. For sure, I, I I hate the fact that one thing that I said in passing that I didn't think anything would come of, I'm suddenly on a T-shirt and it looks horrible. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Um, uh, or you can celebrate Derek Henry like we always do and give him the Henry Handy T-shirt as well. We got that as well. Oh. Or just Sports Goose. I mean, we got those too. And I'll be adding some new designs every now and again for that soon enough. Uh, so that's our merch store. You can try and help us beat the virus. Donate to our Tiltify site. All right, that'll go to CDC Foundation. All that stuff's going to be in the description. And the link will be in our, our show notes for the podcast. Oh, boy, there's a lot more stuff, man. There's a lot more stuff that we've added and stuff. We can check out our website. We have a Sports Goose official website now where you can find all of our past shows. Or, of course, you can find that on your favorite podcast app. There's about, like, 40 of them that we're on. All right, we're on everything. 
<laughs> we are on everything, all right? We've cast the widest of nets. We are killing lots of dolphins and a lot of sea life if we were fishermen. That's for sure. Save the sea turtles. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, the Daytona Tortugas were saved recently as a minor league baseball team. We shouted them out, and they are... Uh, we are avid fans of them, so I'm glad they got saved from Rob Manfred's horrible axing of minor league baseball. Uh, anyways, that's an aside there. And yeah, thank you guys. We'll be back. Our next episode will be our season five premiere, our 2021 premiere. We'll probably do our best of 2020 stuff that episode uh thank you to uh freddie and bu they always stick around and sheesh we're, we're really glad you guys are, are fans of us thank you to all of our guests andrew every single one of them you brought them in they were all fantastic and i'm, I'm really looking forward to 2021 as well all right this this our, our show's trending in the right direction after almost three years of grinding and uh it's really exciting so can't wait to present to you guys Sports Goofs number 87 starting in January. That's it for me. Good night, everyone. And thank you again, Allison, for sticking around. We really appreciate it. And we really ha- had fun having you on. Thanks. This was a total blast. Unfortunately, I wish I was an expert in more sports than college football, but I can only invest so much time a year. <laughs> well, I'm the only one with any sort of college football knowledge, so... The other guys have the other sports taken care of. So anytime you want to come on, the the airwaves are yours. You say that, and that's how we end up covering the next season of The Bachelor because he went to Wake Forest and played for their team. <laughs> Don't say those things because I'll make it happen. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, everybody. Take care. Good night. Have a good night. Everybody.